Hi, this is Lacey. This is Jason. From Bourbon House, and you are listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast. are listening to the free form rock podcast is everybody in is everybody in is everybody in the ceremony is about to begin it was part of the band oasis that album was definitely maybe and to celebrate its 10th anniversary they've released a commemorative dvd it's out on september 20. please welcome noel gallagher <laughs> Hello. Hey, Noel. How are you going? Uh, I'm going all right. I've precariously perched above the Thames here, as you I can know. see. I know. Isn't it ledge. incredible that the traffic doesn't move there in the Thames and the boats don't move? It's everybody's frozen. It's that cold. <laughs> now, of course, the album definitely may be 10 years on. Is this an album that, that you still love, that you still hold in high regard 10 years on? I'd say it's my favourite album because of the um, because of the memories that it brings back to me when I listen to it or when I when I when I hear it on the radio and stuff. Um, it's the album that made us famous, and it's the one that I wrote before I was famous. So it's probably the most pure uh, example of uh, my songwriting abilities. Well, it has been described as the, the best debut album of all time, and NME magazine at the time said it, it gave a people uh, gave people a reason to believe in excitement. Do you still think that uh, all this ho holds true all these years later? I think at the time, before definitely maybe came out, there was actually nothing of any worth coming from any British band. It was all uh, American grunge music, and uh, Nirvana was still the biggest band in the world. Not that I, not that I had anything against Nirvana because I'm one of my favourite bands, but. Um, I just think the timing was right for us and we kind of said a lot of things about what it was like to be in your early 20s in, um, in England at that time and we just seemed to capture the mood of uh, the nation, man. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it also, it also contains some fabulous songs. Oh, didn't it though? Whoever wrote that, he's a genius, an absolute genius. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, I mean, what do you think? I mean, at, at the time you, you said that it wasn't about trying to impress anybody with your lyrical prowess, it was all about shagging, drinking and taking drugs. In that order. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, do, you must take a lot of pride in your work, though. Uh, I take a lot of pride in drinking and shagging, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what, have you we No, I mean, I mean... I, Go on. Okay, I was going to say, because your aspirations at the time, you're talking about how uh, the, the youth seemed to just uh, latch onto this album. It was something they could really relate to. I mean, you were, you were living the dream. Before this, you were uh, working on the doll, and then you went straight from that to being part of the, the, the biggest band of, of uh, recent memory. I mean, what was all that like for you at the time? A bit too much to take in? Um, not really. I'm quite... Uh... I've got an extraordinary amount of self-belief um, and I, 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 I kind of knew when I was writing those songs that I know enough about rock and roll history to know when I've heard a good song and I, and I knew that 90% of the songs on the album were great and uh, I knew that if somebody gave us the chance to put that record out, once that record came out, everything would follow with it. So I wasn't, I, w I wasn't freaked out by fame or wealth or success or anything like that. I was kind of, I was kind of like, you know, bring it on. 
No, more of it, please. <laughs> so when it, when it all exploded for you, because you were so young and, and as I said, you went from, from nothing to everything. I, I'm fascinated to know when, when all the money was coming, all the royalties were coming in, what was the first thing you, you bought for yourself, the first thing you treated yourself with? I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I treated myself to anything in particular, but um, I remember when my manager called me up one afternoon and said, told me that I had a million pounds in the bank. So I was, uh, I was actually a millionaire. And uh, I remember going to have steak and chips in, uh, in, so in Soho in London and then going out and getting absolutely hammered. <laughs> uh, I lasted for about three or four days. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I bought myself anything. I don't think I bought myself anything too outrageous. Probably bought a new guitar or something like that. I mean, I guess you guys were also too uh, renowned for your outrageous antics at the time. I mean, there was being banned for climbing on Stonehenge, being thrown off Dutch ferries, and banned from airlines. And granted, a lot of that was was Liam, and you said at the time it was something that you weren't necessarily proud of. But I'm actually interested to know, well, like when you would get home, what what would your mother think of these antics when she read about it in the paper or in the press? Well, the good thing about the press is you can always kind of convince your mum that it's all lies. <laughs> <laughs> Pictures. Yeah. You can say, well, they've airbrushed my head on top of that. That's not me, obviously. <laughs> um, so she kind of took our word for it that 99% of it is lies. So, um, but my mum's all right. Anyway, she can get a bit rowdy when she's had a drink as well. So she's, you know, she really ain't got a lot of Fantastic. And of course, you guys are working on the, the sixth album at the moment. How's it coming along? And, and what can people expect from the new Oasis album? Uh, we've done, we finished four tracks. We've got another six or seven left to do. I think we're going we're to fly out to Los Angeles in about uh, three weeks to go and finish it off. Um, what can, I don't, I'm not too sure how it's going to end up, but we like the songs. Uh, we just gotta get the right recordings, which we haven't done. Uh, we've spent a year recording it, and it's not really been coming out uh, as we as we expected. But we we kind of believe in the song, so um, it'll be out by March, and then you can make your own minds up, can't you? Sounds good to me. Well, I'm sure uh, myself and many other Oasis fans are looking forward to it. In the meantime, definitely maybe the DVD. It's out September 20. Uh, please thank Noel Gallagher, everybody. Thank you. Maybe the number one album from Oasis. Featuring the hit singles Supersonic and Live Forever. The UK's number one album from the UK's number one band. Alright man, you know where you're at. You're here to party with the Freeform Rock Podcast. I got an announcement to make. Jerry Supe is not on here. The guy has pneumonia, but you'll hear this seven weeks later, and he's probably already been on a few episodes already. So, man, but uh, before we get into this, I, I need to say something, Charles, because I went back, because I did this this album, uh, Oasis Definitely Maybe. Yeah, it's a redo. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a redo with uh, Dr. Fucking Lee. Okay. At the end of the episode, it kind of made me sad, but I'll, I'll get into that later. But... Uh, <laughs> My my, I just want to say, Charles. I went back to listen to that review with Doctor Fucking Lee. I guess I you pushed Oasis on me so much that I started to hate them. <laughs> <laughs> and I really like this band. I back then I was just like fucking. I'm not gonna say that word, you know, the L 
a word that uh, I got busted on last ep a couple episodes ago with the Ted Nugent because uh, you guys are getting on me about that. But man, uh, that was a fun episode with that guy. And my opinions might have changed for the better on this album. I think there was only one song I didn't really care for, but I think that might have changed. But uh, Charles, Oasis is now back in my top 40 band. I, there you go. Wow. Top 30. Um, 40. 40. Okay. Well, I push this on people? Really? You, how many Oasis videos do you post? I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm known as somebody that, that posts a lot of Oasis. I, I'm really surprised. Uh, I mean, I... Now, you're wearing today, people at home can't see the video. Uh, that's too bad because we all look very photogenic and handsome today. Um, but you're wearing my favorite band of all time. I hate that color, though, Mark. I'm sorry. That's like I hate it's like Mr. Mustard. I, I like it. It's, it's like, like baby shit yellow. I, I don't like the color, but it is my favorite band of all time. Not this band in sky blue, Oasis. Uh, thank you, Eddie C. Um, <laughs> but I would put Oasis in my top five by far. Not number two, though. It would be well, on my. I'm gonna assume they were number two. So GNR is number two. Um. Oh my God, Kiss! Dude, oh really? Kiss is number two. Yeah, but oh my 70, God, 70s. But I mean, but I've said it before on other episodes. My number one is my number one. But like my top five or six, they're all like tied. That like means Zeppelin, yeah, Zeppelin, Kiss, Oasis, GNR, Metallica. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Fucking Rolling Stones, Zeppelin. You know, they, these guys are all, like, tied. And we're going to touch on that in a minute. But um, we have... What are we got guests. I'm going to do... I'm not as, I'm not Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon's not here this week. Yeah, but, you got to um, take over. So we have on... Uh, first of all, one of my blood brothers. I'm wearing a T-shirt that inspired me. He got it first and called me out on it. But I loved it so much, I had to find one myself. Being comparable from the Rock All Over You podcast. He loves Mr. Moonlight. We won't hold it against him. Mr. <laughs> Eddie Canastracci. Hey, what's up, everyone? Glad to be here. Glad to be here talking. Who else would I want to talk about Oasis with other than you, Charles? You Thank know? you. Yeah. And back for the attack. <laughs> and minus Jerry, who's not here with us. Get well, Jerry. Do your vitamin C. Do your thing, eat some chicken soup, do all that. But we got another female, interesting, who I might know. Gabby Raider Trainer. Where's Abe? Yeah, that's me. Me with the three last names. That's me. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and the coolest part is she can she can probably verify how or not verify how I will push bands down your throat. Until you hate them. Okay. Oh. Wait, wait, I gotta say something. Charles pushes bands down your throat. He tells me I do that. I send him two videos and I, I never send him a video again. No. Oh, you're not the only one because God forbid I send him a single song. He's like, don't push this person down my throat. But here's 92. Oh, okay, so it's a thing. Song. Here's a documentary to watch, and I need you to read this thesis paper, and then get back to me on all your thoughts. And if you don't, 
I'm going to assume that you hate me. <laughs> that makes no to me. And I'm just like, bro, come on now. Come. And he's like, no, I don't want to listen to your shit, but listen to my shit from the past. And I'm like, no. Oh, you make me feel so much better because I go, I'm pushing shit on you. I gave you two yeah. videos. I said, okay, you didn't like the one. Check that one. Go, no, I don't like it. Okay, I'm done. Well, I never sent him another. Yeah. I never sent you another Night Ranger song again. I sent I've him only Del Rey song, and he begrudgingly. I will tell all of his fans this. He begrudgingly <laughs> said, "You know, this is actually good. I like it. I think I'm gonna add it to my phone." But don't send me anymore. Let me find her on my own. Let me find her on my own. Yeah, I was I said like, that. Enough. You're just <laughs> upset because you like it. For one, for two, mm -hmm. no. The more, the more I have to hear about fucking Liam and Noel Gallagher, the more I'm gonna sit to Lana Del Rey and Olivia Rodrigo. I'm not stopping. I am you, and you are me, and we're just gonna do this to each other. And we are all together. together. <laughs> yeah, I think that, you, you can't tell that she's your daughter at all. So. <laughs> Dude, you, you just cool. let out a, a lot of shit that Charles gets on me about, and I go, fuck, I'm not the only one. Yeah, uh, you gotta God call damn. him on it. You gotta call him, because another thing is, he's super, like, he thinks that it's cool when he does it, but when other people do it, then it's a problem. Because I'm like, I was just sitting here thinking the other day, I don't know why it took me 28 years for this to click, but I was like, I really let a motherfucker whose favorite band is Kiss. Like, They're not my favorite band. Have a heavy weight on like the things that I like. I cannot believe I was. It was just like one of those moments. I was like, I can't believe I let him bully me for being emo for so long when he's emo just in a different way. Yeah, he, there's nothing emo about Kiss. Kiss first. Of Kiss all, fans were me. groomed from the age of five to thirteen. There you go, man. And uh, <laughs> but literally like theater kids it's fucking it's show choir music yeah. <laughs> i like that i like that yeah, is right it's nerd music folks. kiss is nerd rock it is come on yeah. well, found of, of music if i i, I, I would like never reveal to a woman when i'm in my early stages of course oh, that I, I like kiss oh, I <laughs> Because she'll leave. Yeah, yeah. No, I keep that. They don't. They got to be like deep in the relationship. It's got to be like six or seven months in. And you can, your mom didn't leave because of kiss, kind of. No, maybe no. Maybe <laughs> but, um, kind of. <laughs> she must have been pushing music on you, and you got pissed at her. No, she liked Mariah Carey, and I, I hate like Mariah Carey. I like Mariah Carey. The first three albums, good stuff, man. Uh, Gabby. Huh? What'd you say? Oh, I said you just hate everything that isn't something you like. And he's always been that way. From the time I can remember, he was like, when we, he was in the car, we could only listen to Guns N' Roses, we could only listen to Kiss, and then he'd be like, but do you understand how important this is? And I'm like, I don't think Paradise City is fucking important to the culture, okay? I just don't think that it is. Okay. Well, well listen, <laughs> listen here, this is where I differ, differ from your father. When I was married to my first wife, she liked the freaking Savage Garden, the New Kids on the Block, the Backstreet Boys. I hate those Ace of Base. I hate all those bands. But you know what? I let her play that in the car. And it, I didn't complain. I didn't say nothing. I said, cool, you want to go? I'll get you tickets. I even took her to Shania Twain. I hate Shania Twain. I don't yeah. care. I, I try to make people happy here. But the thing yeah, is, I played, 
could have been an asshole. But she I, probably wouldn't have left it in. I, I played... It might have lasted longer. I played one song going to her parents' house on Christmas for Christmas dinner. I played Crazy Bitch by Buck Cherry. I never heard the end of that. I go, all that shit you played me, I played one song, and you're pissed off? Go, That's what? how he gets you to listen to all his stuff, and then you're like, can I play something? And like 30 seconds in, he's like, what is this shit? Oh, oh, turn it off. <laughs> he said, Gabby, that you got him on the, the Lana Del Rey, though. He, he, he likes it a little bit? Yeah, I like, yeah, I like this song or two. Yeah. Because I knew, I was like, this is going to get you. It's going to get you. And then she's going to wiggle her way in. And yep. he was like, I like it. The goat shoved down my throat. And I was like, uh, well, if I keep I'm, sending, if I keep getting Oasis messages, I'm going to keep sending stuff your way. I you know what? I need to take that, that uh, initiative, too. If he keeps doing it yeah. to me, I should just yeah. send him stuff that I, I don't he's going to I don't. I don't. Here, listen to this. This is a great song. Check this out if you're cool. Yeah, you give me the shit all the time. Me too. So you know, you're not alone. Well, I first of all, in my defense, I enjoy some ice spice, so I'm pretty cool. And hey, she doesn't use auto tune. She doesn't use auto tune. It's just straight fucking. You don't have to use talking. It would be weird if you had to auto tune your talking. Hey, since we got a younger generation here, what do you think about artists up there just totally miming their own songs like Dua Lipa and Cardi we'll get in We'll get into that. Don't don't answer that, don't Gabby. Answer that yet? Dua, what's her name? We'll get into that in the track on my review because I know how you feel about her. I, will, I do want to ask this, though. This is more important. And... Gabby should know how much I love, not I love this band a lot, but I mean, the one we're reviewing, but the Beatles are my all-time favorite. She knows this by far. I, I'm curious what her thoughts of was for the new Now and Then song, but also I'm massively curious because Eddie has been very quiet. This will come out seven weeks later if you're worried about it becoming news it won't be what are your two thoughts on this song and the use of ai to make this song happen so gabby go first did you listen uh, to it I, well i did listen to it and uh that was why i asked you i was like is this ai because like what do you mean it came out in 2023 uh i personally uh don't like when they use AI to create songs for other artists, I'm like, it's amazing to me they're not getting sued out of the ass yet for that. Because I'm like, how is that not plagiarism? Yeah, well, hold on, hold on. But you didn't understand before. I, I don't want to cut you off, but I just want to tell you. Uh -huh. They didn't make a song with AI. This this was made during, this was three yeah, songs. Playing Peter Jackson, yes, I remember. No, 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 the vocals from the yeah, it was an actual Lennon song, yeah, that used AI to pull his voice from the tape, which was in yeah. fact okay. So, there you go, yeah, I know. All right, at this point, we can put those artists out of a job somehow legally, and I don't think, I don't like it. I think it's weird. I think we're heading into a weird space, but 
the song was okay, I guess. I'm just not, I'm not a big fan of them, like, doing stuff like that after one of the artists is already dead, like John Lennon. And there's another one that's gone. George and Harrison. George Harrison. I'm just like, can we just let them rest? Like, I don't know. If they, cause for, like, for you guys, this is probably, like, a huge impact moment. For my generation, it was losing Chester Benningfield from Lincoln Park. Hey, I and love Lincoln Park. That's because you know. Yep. And I saw them live. I would feel, I would feel weird about it, especially because I'm just like, you know, John was murdered. Like, can we just let these people rest? Like, Chester Benningfield committed suicide. I would feel weird about it if it was like an artist that was near and dear to my heart, and they were like. It's like the Michael Jackson thing when they started doing the holograms with the concerts and stuff. I was like, God, y'all, even with him dead, you're trying to make money off of this man. I don't, I don't know. I don't did that with Dio also. Dio stuff was cool, though. But, okay. Eddie, what do you think? Because I know you have definitive thoughts about AI usage and music. And just overall, what did you think of the, the song? Okay, just to confirm, to clarify, this is not going up for how many weeks? Seven weeks. Seven. Seven weeks. Yes. Yeah. It's not coming up to December 15th. Okay. You, you guys can't reveal by set here because I'm recording a video tomorrow. I know you. In which I'm revealing this song and it's going to be up on Monday. Yeah. That's no. why I've been quiet. We won't know. <laughs> we won't. Yeah, yeah. We know. We know you. Okay. Well, yeah. if you well, if you watched my video. <laughs> I watched your videos. You know. I get back <laughs> okay. to you on them. <laughs> okay. You've all watched my video by this point. So. We'll know by then. What we you know you hate the Rolling Stones now, album. We're with you, man. I know. So I'm not. I'm my, not. My thoughts on this okay. are complicated, actually. I have complicated thoughts. Okay. It's not so. It's like the Rolling Stones album. I just thought it was a bad album. So that was easy. This one's complicated because I actually do like the song. But there are aspects of how it's marketed that I don't like. So it's a little complicated. But essentially, well, for one thing, it's not really AI. Paul McCartney did himself a disservice because I don't think he really understands what AI is. And he opened up his mouth and said that in an interview. There is an element of artificial intelligence, but not just in the way that all computers have an element of artificial intelligence. Like an algorithm is a form of AI, I guess you can say. But... Essentially, it's a thing called, uh, I actually pulled this up. Uh, the term is it's a sound source separation, di a digital sound source separation. So they're using a computer to remove the voice from this demo where it was kind of, it was on one track demo with a piano and it sounded shitty. So they use this to remove it. So it's not like, it's not like they replicated a new John Lennon with AI. That I would be totally against if they did that. Me too. So this is a little different. It's a little different. They're just using the technology to take a voice that really is John Lennon's voice. And you can tell when you listen to it. It sounds more real than Mick Jagger does on the new Rolling Stones album. It does. It does. Hey. And you can hear Paul McCartney's voice like crack in the background too. Yeah, it sounds like John Lennon. So I don't, I don't really have a problem with that so much. Um, I have a problem with calling it a Beatles song. It's not a Beatles song. It's a John Lennon solo demo that he did in the late 70s on his own, never thinking it would be a fucking Beatles song. And because, you know, Yoko's got to pay the rent on the, well, not the rent, but, you know, she's got to pay the taxes on the Dakota, which is, God knows how expensive that must be. And, and you know, Paul likes to keep the Beatles alive so people are still talking to him. I don't think it's about the money of Paul. He's so rich. It's just that he's an older guy that likes to feel relevant and he wants people talking about him. And as a result, 
they're going back to something John created on his own privately in his Dakota ha- you know home and making it the quote-unquote last Beatles song and you know Mark and that way and Peter Jackson shoot in this video of all these clips of the Beatles unite it like you know and it's just it's not it, I feel like John would not like it I feel like John would think that was lame and I feel like he'd be like hey we broke up I'm a solo artist this was a solo yeah, song I wrote. but the thing is I think if they still would have been alive because they all got the three of them got back together and George Harrison did play on this track because that was yeah, George thought it was shitty too that's another thing it's not just John's being disrespected George is being disrespected because yeah. George said he thought it was a shitty song and he gave up on recording it that's why he had to wait until after he was dead too now I disagree with George I actually think it's a better song than the other two songs they did I didn't really care for free as a bird in real love this I think has more mood it's like I like the mood to it it's like a moody dark ballad and they're presenting it like it's this cheery Beatles song in the video but if you actually listen to the song it's a really kind of dark haunting song actually sounds a little bit like some of the stuff Lana does on her last album. I'm glad you heard it though oh yeah but this is where I'm getting this is where I have mixed okay. feelings like as a John Lennon fan I think they did a good job like considering it was just a piano demo of him singing they did a good job. I felt the orchestration was subtle. They didn't try to insert the other Beatles too much. Like, they kept it a John-led song, which I liked, whereas Free as a Bird, there were parts where they put in Paul and George singing very prominently, and they had their own verses, which I thought was really lame. Whereas in this case, they keep it a John song for the most part, with the Beatles just backing him up. I don't even have a problem with them doing that. I just don't think it should be packaged as a Beatles song. It should be on, like, some, some like, double fantasy remaster with like as a bonus track and saying yeah this is a solo john song from the 70s that he didn't get to finish so us as his mates we finished it for him but the fact that they're using it and piggybacking it and making it a beatles song i don't like that i think it's shitty but at the same time i do really like the song and it does, I do get a feeling from it when I listen to it, and I've listened to it like, I don't know, three or four times now. I like it. I like what, I like how they did the product, how they did the production, and overall, I do like the song, and I feel somewhat selfish because I'm glad they did it, but at the same time, ethically, I think it's kind of shitty that they did it. So that's, that's my complicated take on that. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say, I said this on the BS sessions. Well, let me go. You're the star, dude. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to say I said this on a B- BS session so I'll make it quick uh, I like the song the video at the end where all the Beatles disappear that just gave me feels the fucking Peter Jackson fucker his best movie is the Frighteners though fuck the Lord of the Rings the Frighteners hey. Michael J. Fox rules but Charles what I do you think about that to Lord of the Rings huh yeah I like that better in Lord of the Rings, too. I don't like Lord of the Rings. That's I fun. like Lord of the Rings, but The Frighteners is the yeah. best movie. Boring. It's a bunch of elves walking around in the woods for hours. It's awful. It's yeah. awful. What is it? Clerks 2? This is this is uh, Lord of the Rings walking, walking, walking. Second one, walking, walking, walking. Third one, walking, walking, walking. Drop the oh. ring. <laughs> That's because we all I have, know, like... I never watched the third one, because after the second one, I was like, this movie is literally just... This whole trilogy is just people fucking walking. <laughs> I was like, Kevin I don't Smith had it great there, man. Great take on it. Yeah. We all oh, know. Father God. Go. We all know Obi Wan would destroy everybody in Lord of the Rings, like Spock. 
Um, Hawk would destroy everybody, dude. He's got that death grip, dude. They could just knock you out. Dude, fucking Obi-Wan would force choke that bitch against the fucking or wall. The thing is, Spock has a... Spock has I don't a get into mind. That. He could I don't want to get into that. He, he could only force choke people who are feeble-minded. All right, go ahead. He's feeble-minded. No, he uh, isn't. I think that I've heard you say this. I've heard some other esteemed friend of mine say the same thing. That this is better than anything on that Rolling Stones album. Which, by the way, no, Mark, you don't speak for me. I didn't hate that Rolling Stones album. I don't think it's fantastically great, but I did like a few songs on it. I liked a few songs also, but it wasn't a great, complete album. Well, neither was Bigger Bang, by like, far. Yeah, it Bigger was Bang was shoddy, too, but I like it better than this I, album. I don't think they made a great, complete album since Tattoo You. That's my opinion, but that, I'll walk with that. But this song was better than anything on that Rolling Stones album. And when people say, oh, this is better than anything on a Rolling Stones album, duh. It's Lennon and McCartney. But it's kind of Lennon and McCartney. Well, McCartney the, added the strings and the slides. So much and stuff it's a Lennon song. It's uh, Lennon. But Lennon by himself is better than anything on the Rolling Stones album. But Paul McCartney the, wrote the rest of the music to it. It was a listen to, song. Yes, I agree. Listen to the demo version. Paul completely cut the bridge out, added his own section. That's him playing that slide guitar. Yeah. A tribute to George. George really George, isn't. Did George do anything on George this? George did the acoustic part. A little guitar, but not really. He was doing acoustic yeah. with Paul on it. That, that's where yeah. he's at. But Paul could always do a good George and Ringo impersonation yeah. when he needed to musically. I mean, and he added some stuff, and and I that's what the Lennon McCartney partnership was. You know, listen, the greatest song ever written in the history of humanity. A Day in the Life. That is totally a McCartney-Lennon uh, team-up on that. That wasn't just John. Paul added the little part in the middle. It made the song work. They weren't the tightest songwriting partnership, to be fair. They became more editors of each other's work at one point. But like John said, the best songs we ever wrote was Eyeball to Eyeball. It's true, but there was, there was like a Day in the Life and things like that. There was consent. Like, you know, I'm just saying, like, John did not give the consent for this to become well, England McCartney. I agree, I His wife you. did, though. Yoko gave the, gave the tapes. Yoko's he, not John. She's his, she's his widow that needs to maintain a certain lifestyle. But the thing That's is, not Sean, thing. Sean Lennon loved it, too, man. So Sean Lennon does what his mother says. Mama. <laughs> and, and Olivia Harrison gave consent. And she yeah, said... Everyone did. Yeah, and you know, I don't know. The guy who wrote the goddamn song, John Lennon, didn't give his Now, to be fair, though, what Sean is saying, and a lot of other people is, and this is true, the Beatles were always about using as much technology as they could and, and expanding horizons. And Sean said John would have been into it. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe you're right. I don't know. He was a fucking toddler when he knew his father. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get it, but I mean, but it is true. They they revolutionized a lot of recording technology and techniques because of what the Beatles were willing to do in the studio. So 
I'm happy about it. I'm over the moon. They could have just put out Mary Had a Little Lamb from that crappy McCartney album with an AI John. I am not an AI hater. I think it's interesting what they can do with it. The reason why I'm not an AI hater is you'll find out when all this minimum wage gets raised across the country and AI takes all those jobs. That's what you should worry about, not about Elvis songs being remade. We should worry about other things. Well, I'm, but, a, I'm a cook. Well, you, know, you know, as a writer, I'm very... I get it. It does well, threaten want, my life. Yes. Yes. So far, it's all right because I'm better than any AI. But, yeah, you there's going to be a certain... You AI is literally... Uh, the Writers uh, Guild actually allowed... This is one of their concessions. They allow AI to learn from writers like myself. And I'm telling you, because I'm a great writer, the AI is... The, it's, it's learning. It's studying me going to start writing like me soon you it, it hasn't figured it out yet it's not that awesome yet but at some point it's going to get that awesome and you won't know the difference you and then it's a write, problem you need to write a horror fucking rock and roll movie like trick or treat but better i think you could fucking like make that shit better i mean i agree with Edward. eddie eddie i agree with eddie that we should worry about what ai is going to do but I personally don't worry if they make an Elvis song over again because I don't have any skin in that game. But I do have a skin in the game if they take my job. That's what I worry about. Well, though, it starts huh? with entertainment and then it goes into real life. Yeah. Which is why. Well, your job, AI, you more well, AI can try, but who's going to load the trucks? The robots? That'll be slow. It's fucked. My thing's. AI is it, my my main thing is it's out the cat's out of the bag. There's nothing we can do. I mean, it's just going to be more and more and more. And but it could be regulated though, because the problem is if technology progresses to a point where humans are no longer necessary, then what's the point in progress? Like to me, progress should progress should be about serving mankind, not like, replacing like us forward, not leaving us behind. Yeah, if it moves past us, then it's kind of like no longer useful. And to me, that's not progress. That's the opposite. That's stepping I, back because technology right, is replacing us. But right I now, agree. you brought up to serve mankind. Watch the Twilight Zone episode to serve to mankind. Serve mankind. <laughs> that's a <different laughs> scenario, Mark, and you know it. That's about aliens eating people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the government does to us. I just watched, actually, I watched They Live last night. Very relevant for today. All I, I have that on 4K. That movie rules, yeah. dude. They I, Live. I think there's a movie from the 80s that's more relevant today than They Live. Running Man? Even more so than Running Man. Ooh. Yeah, Death Row Game Show. Yeah. I mean, they're all kind of relevant today. A lot of those yeah. dystopian sci-fi films. Terminator is really the most relevant. Well, yeah, it was Skynet, yeah. Got that. Well, that's the AI for you. There's your friendly yeah. AI, Charles. You love it when it's giving you a new Beatles song, but are you going to love it when it's fucking enslaving you and putting you into the fucking detention center? <laughs> Maybe it's going to be like the Matrix. We're going to be plugged in for food. You'll be but tricked. I... There'll be an AI Gabby that's talking to you, telling uh -oh. you to go someplace to I meet her. No, it's not an AI Gabby right now. It could be an AI Gabby right now. The it good news is that uh, we're, we're getting, to be annoyed by her father. We're getting too out. deep on this podcast right now. <laughs> we can all be fake people. I people know, talking but, to yeah. each other. But uh, you want you want but to no, let's, let's 
There will never be an AI Noel Gallagher, though. I promise you that. <laughs> what are we doing there's today? A, there's an AI Oasis album. What are you talking about? They made I it. heard. Yeah, Liam loved it. By the way, <laughs> no, he didn't. What are you talking? Yes, about? he did. Noel I thought did. he trashed it. He did because he, he sent me the article. Yeah, oh, I get a, I get an article at least three times a week about uh, a week. Maybe ago. Noel. Maybe Noel trashed it. Maybe I confused my Noel Gallagher. Did. Yeah, Noel okay, did. I'm confusing my Gallagher brothers. Do Do I send you Night Ranger articles, Charles? No, I don't. I don't send them every three days. Are there <laughs> Night Ranger articles, Mark? Oh, there's yeah. lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> I put out some aha ones too, uh, but uh, let's get into. They sounded album. like AI back in the day. They've always sounded like AI. Yeah, hey, I love that new Duran Duran album that's three months old now. Dance Macabre, really good. They ripped off Ghost. No, because Ghost spelled it the regular way of dance. They spelled it dance like the German version of it. They yeah, spelled it different. different. The yeah. songs are not the same, and I do like the dance. It's one of the seven songs I like by Ghost. Andy Taylor on it? Yes, he's on basically the whole album, dude. Cool. I I, that's my favorite because, member of that. Because you know what nerds like us do? We open the album, the, the inner book. We see who wrote the songs, who played that's on the songs. <laughs> Andy Taylor played on most of these songs with that guy, Dom. Dom was on a couple, but a lot the of them Mark, were just Andy Taylor, Mark. dude. You keep up that fire, dude. You're Mr. Duran Duran. I do like Andy Taylor and John Taylor. I don't like the other two dudes. Oh, what's wrong with signing, man? They're kind of like like lighting the loafers. You know, my wife had a, my wife had a crush on uh, Nick and, Rhodes. Andy Taylor can shred. I hope he gets better. He's I, in like stage four, though. He just played with Jimmy Page too in Stairway to Heaven, didn't he? I don't know, but he's stage four. I just hope he gets better, but that's who. But I'm happy. Dude, we get Andy Taylor on this. They do a freaking song called Super Lonely Freak. It's like a mashup of Lone Your Nightmare and Super Freak from fucking Rick James. Okay. I fucking that's love it. Guys, it's not my job to tell you how to run your podcast, but maybe not talk about Duran Duran so much on the Oasis episode. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. both English <laughs> Brett Pop. There you go, man. <laughs> well, let's get to, let's get to this episode definitely, maybe. But before I get you to tell me all the deets on this album, I'm gonna say what our fallen uh, brother Jerry Supe said about this album because you guys wanted to hear it, right? Yeah. yeah. So Jerry, I read it for you, so don't fucking be a bitch to me again. Uh, the seven-time platinum debut, definitely maybe from Oasis, still sounds as kick, ass-kicking today as it did back in 1994. From the great songwriting by Noel and sung angrily by the heartfelt by Liam, this was the launching pad to many great albums such as What's the Story, Morning Glory, Be Here Now, and Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. One of the most in all time, what the fuck, time important bands today. Totally great pick. Again, Charles, wish I could be there with you. I give it four out of five horns. Damn, Jerry, I've never heard you be that eloquent on the show. God damn. You just maybe need to write AI stuff. write it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe AI did write it. I've <laughs> done that a few times. Well, well, you know what? I've used And you notice how I, 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 I noticed right away? <laughs> you, you know what? I told my wife about that. I go, Motherfucker, Edwin knows I was using AI. Yeah, but the thing is, you saw I added shit to it, though. If you notice, yeah, yeah. I didn't use completely AI. I add shit to it. 
<laughs> yeah, but but I did notice it. Yeah, I can spot oh, it. Well, no. I I basically use it to uh, correct my grammar because of fucking bushy. Can't yeah, that's how I knew it wasn't you. It's like, oh, it's speaking from. <laughs> I wanted to fucking correct my fucking grammar. That was it. It's but what I wanted to say, though. I want to see the mistakes. That's part of you. That's part of your charm, Mark. Yeah, yeah. but, yeah, cool. but yeah, then, cool. I, then I get people going, it's two, not two. It's this, not that. And I got tired of people correcting the grammar. I know I fucked up. Sometimes when you're writing shit, I don't like proofread my shit that's the mistake my wife will come back mark you messed up on this and i'll go change it because nate atches and bushy is the first one on my ass for the fucking spelling or the grammar mistake so I well, maybe, maybe uh maybe a healthy compromise is not using ai but actually just proofreading your shit one time before posting it i've been doing that lately if you right, send, gabby, if you gabby send, has a suggestion yeah. Whenever people try to get on my grammar, like on the internet, I'm like, you have nothing else to do except proofread the shit I wrote on the internet. Get a yeah, pump book. them out. Make them yeah, feel like a loser for doing it. I said, or, unless, I said, unless you're a, you have a degree in English, don't fucking correct my grammar. Or, I said it on Facebook. Or just write it correctly. No. That, that's you're one of the people perfect. that get on me about that too, Charles. I know because I wrote. I I've actually got a book written with the Library of Congress. Oh, you know that. Oh, this yeah. Charles, you never told me this. Yes. Third grade report on. No, it was senior in high school. Because I didn't tell him the right font size, and he cussed me out for it. Wow. English. I really enjoy English, and yes, I do. We uh, wrote a book in my senior English composition class on Vietnam veterans, and it's. Actually register with the Library of Congress. Hey, congratulations, really cool. Charles. Hey, cheers to that, Charles. Uh, yes. You know what? I'm going to tell you how bad I was in writing. I think it was in eighth grade. I got sent to special education because the teacher saw, thought I told her to fuck off. And I said, no, I told Alfred Barton to fuck off because he hit me in the head. She was like a 78-year-old teacher who did no shit. So I got sent to special ed. I get there, people are banging their heads on the desk and fucking doing weird shit. My teacher looks at me, you don't belong here, you think? Fucking the eight. Well, you, could, you, know could easily, you could quickly rise to the top there, though, Mark. Uh, they put me, in, <laughs> I, that was my homeroom. I went to regular classes right after that. I excelled in, like, in history and European history. I would rule to be, like, the top dog. Yeah. Oh, no, no, dude. Stars. Somebody's like this. Guess what? They Bite like your arm? They like Kiss, too. They do. A lot of retards love Kiss, Mark. I am one of them. One, one guy cut his toe off mowing the lawn. Right. <laughs> Just the toe? That's some talent. Just your toe. Not like all the toes. But I'm going, I was so pissed off at fucking school, I wrote. She told me to write a short story. And I go, fuck this shit. So I put, I ran, 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 I ran. And then I ran some more, and then I ran some more. I wrote a story like that because I fucking hated that shit. And my teacher, so my teacher comes at me. What the? She she actually said, "What the fuck is I ran, I ran, I ran, I ran, I ran, I ran. Write this again, you idiot!" And I go, "What?" Well, Eddie will appreciate appreciate this. Our teacher wouldn't even let us use contractions. Oh, we had, it's tough. We couldn't use very. We had to come up with different 
Oh, you go to like a private school or like a? Catholic? No, 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 no. I went to a tiny. Uh, look, ask my kid how small my school was. It was. Re- I mean, we're like we're a town of two thousand people, and they fight for their school and they keep the school. This guy writes a column in the newspaper to this day. Our teacher, oh. and he, when I took public speaking in college, it was a breeze because he also taught public speaking. Yeah. Okay. I got and it. And he was he was a grammar Nazi. Oh my lord! You couldn't mess up nothing. It was just like you put a contraction minus minus five. But things are loose now, you know. Because um, I don't know what a fucking contraction is. There you go. Find two words into one word, like cannot. Oh, I, I get that. I, I do that cannot, all the time. Like, That's why you knew it wasn't me. Yeah. Oh my lord! It's been a lot. I don't think they would bother, even bother teaching that in school today. You know. No, they don't even learn how to write cursive anymore. So. Yeah. The uh, what? No, even I, writing I, articles. I teach them at home. Writing articles are very loose about things now. Now it's the opposite. Now I write things, and they're like, "Can't you just make it a contraction?" We got people reading your articles on the internet. They're morons. Don't don't make it too smart. <laughs> so that, that movie Idiocracy is coming true. It is becoming true. That's <laughs> it is becoming true. My judge is a genius. No, I'm not kidding. I, I'm just saying. Literally, I've been told by editors for my articles to 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 not be so smart. Not they don't use a, they don't they don't use that word. They don't say don't they they don't use that phrase. But I look yeah the language. There are certain things I was do I was doing that they don't they don't like me doing because reading your <laughs> articles on screenwriting, Eddie is like uh, a fucking treat because I learn shit. And that's awesome because I like to learn stuff. I might not, see, I might seem really loose and stupid sometimes, but that's just an act. I like to actually read <laughs> and learn things. And you know, when I read your articles on the art I, of screenwriting. I'm like, damn, this guy fucking taught me some shit, and that's awesome. Well, yeah, see, it's, I, it's like I, a different side because usually people on Facebook or YouTube are like used to just me like getting drunk and talking about old rock records I like. So it's like you, you get to see my professional side. I share your articles <laughs> all the time, man. That's that's the thing. Eddie's I think more of a creative writer, where I was more of a like a doc uh, journalist type writer. I was better at that kind of shit because I still type, skill set in itself. Yeah. I still type like ninety five words a minute. Which was my one natural fucking thing that I picked up on easily. I wish it was guitar, not typing. Like nobody cares about typing anymore, really, either, because you have all the. But I could type like a motherfucker, and uh, but I was more of a journalist type writer. I'm not a great creative writer. I, I don't make up stories, but just to write and look up stuff and real yeah. shit yeah you have a lot of creativity to, towards you charles that's why you're yeah. on this, that's why you're on the yeah, podcast you give me some in interesting stuff to think about so no that's just because i'm crazy so hey, that's gabby, gabby that. can you type or do you just use your thumb like on the phone for everything i do both okay one thumb typing is an art form in itself. That is yeah. true. I, yeah. took I, I took a typing class in my freshman year of high school, and then I left and went to In and Out and just went to home studies. Just went there I, and I keep getting my work permit. But uh, I picked up on it. I wish I, I think I could. I know I can play piano because I've tried it, 
and that it could apply to piano. Yeah, it's not typing. It's kind of like piano. But, yeah, it's memorizing where your fingers are going. But I, I picked up on that easy. So, but nowadays you don't need to type. But anyway, fuck typing and fuck, fuck all. That. Let's do. Let's get into this Oasis. Definitely, maybe Redux episode with my kid, who will probably shit all over it. And uh, I think she's smarter than you think she is. There you two go. other people that oh, don't give me feel that. differently, <laughs> and myself who thinks this band shits nothing but gold. Period. I mean, there's this is like the second coming of the band, the Beatles, to me, but in many ways. Um, but me and Eddie went over this, and we did uh, dig out your soul on this show, and it was. The worst Oasis album, but I did enjoy it. I still, I don't think they made a bad album. Spoiler alert. Interesting. Um, but they made a couple that weren't that great, but had some great songs on it. This album here, one, is considered by most, not me, but most, their greatest album they ever made. It's it, definitely in England. It sold the most out of all their records. Um, I don't have all the stats, Mark. It don't matter. I mean, it was the number one debut selling album in England for years and years and years. Sold, yeah, the second the, the second album sold the most wor worldwide. When I right when I yeah. did this episode I, I, four years ago, it was like what eight million worldwide. So, yeah, I, I think one it's erection. Like the second biggest selling worldwide. Yeah. I think one erection. Or one of those groups, um, Gabby's favorite one erection. I, I say uh, backdoor boys, but you can say un, backdoor boys. What and you get on me for that? Uh, you got insult at me. I don't fucking like One Direction. Oh, I don't know. You love Harry Styles? I don't know. Yeah, I, I like them. I like well, Harry, Harry Styles. Is actually completely by themselves. Well, he was in One Erection. So uh, okay, okay, Charles, you said one erection, but when I say backdoor boys, you said you shouldn't be saying that shit. But you're allowed to say one erection. Well, Backstreet Boys was from my era. Well, they suck. That's my whole childhood, my whole life. I don't like them. I'm <laughs> wrong, but when you say it, you're right, uh, whatever. I'm just teasing you on both those. But this was for years and years and years the number one debut selling album in the UK. I don't think it hit as big in the States. Whatever. I'm just giving some deets, Nader, then you can trash on my deets. <laughs> um, I'm just saying. For me, and we covered this one, I discovered Oasis first, What's the Story, Morning Glory, as I think most Yanks did, to be honest. I mean, if a few of you, I think Mark said he heard Supersonic on MTV, Eddie probably did too. I was in the army and was in school. I didn't have TV, so I couldn't really catch all this. So the first song I ever heard was Wonderwall. While this youngster fucking with her hair was actually in her mom's belly. And I didn't... I read about them about a month before they actually hit with Wonderwall. The video came out. I hated Wonderwall. First time I heard it. Hated it. And I'm still kind of like mad about Wonderwall. This I like it, but it's not one of my favorites. I'm um, kind of like with Nirvana with "Come as You Are." I think that song sucks, but I really do enjoy like 
Teen Spirit and Lithium. Lithium was what drove it home for me with Nirvana. Lithium but anyway, is a great song. I'll give you that one. Um, whatever. But uh, yeah, I agree with you, Mark. I'm not saying whatever to you, but um, uh, I found this album and I, I was kind of a hater on Oasis at first because I was a deep in my Beatles twat time. And I heard how much they sound like the Beatles, and I didn't hear it. And I was like, whatever, until I heard Champagne Supernova. Then I lost my shit. And then I bought Be Here Now, which I know, I believe is Eddie's favorite, but he might correct me later. But that's the number one selling album by Oasis in the in the States, by the way. So oh. that sense. We all tended to like that album quite a bit. But then I kind of fell off with Oasis. And I was like, oh, I just stopped paying attention to him. One day, uh, Gabby knows where I was living. I was living near A Leaf in Houston. And I went to the YMCA, uh, not YMCA, the uh, Goodwill, looking for something. Got the, uh, and didn't find what I needed. And it was the story of Morning Glory for a dollar on CD. Best one dollar I ever spent in my fucking life. I got it for it free from reminded, Columbia House. It reminded me with Champagne Supernova, which is my favorite Oasis song of all time. And I would stack that against a lot of Beatles songs. Not all of them. Not all of them. Not a day in the life. Not in my life. But you know, I, I, it's better than Mr. Moonlight. Let's go that far. Um, I like that song, though, but it might be. Might be a I love Champion Supernova, and I love the album, and that, and that lit the fire. But what always kept me interested in this group was the dynamic of these two brothers, Nolan Liam Gallagher. And um, I, we'll get into which one I like better. And uh, I, I do prefer one over the other. And, for example, the song Shaker Maker, I heard on a live album before I actually heard this album. Um on a, a live album called uh, Familiar to Millions. And I heard that, and I was like, oh, wow. And we'll get into my thoughts on that song when you get into it. But I just lost my shit over this group, like, rapidly. And that's it. And I actually like them better than Kiss. Spoiler alert. So, I said Kiss earlier, but I probably do like these guys a little more, being that I shove it down everybody's throats. <laughs> All right. So, there you go. All right, well, then we get it. Oh, I want to say one more point, and I made this on Eddie's show, Rock All Over You. I parallel this band a lot to the British Guns N' Roses. Not necessarily sound, not necessarily sound, but you have a five-man band, five-man band. Debut album is considered by most especially in England, not necessarily me, but by most is their best album. Guns N' Roses, same deal. Did they ever quite get back to Deathly Maybe? I don't know. You all can be the judge of that if you're interested in checking that out. For me, it's, yes. It's but a good comparison. They also, uh, like Guns N' Roses, they were kind of bringing back an older style rock and kind of ethos. Like and wore it like proudly. Like Guns N' Roses wore their like seventies rock influence very proudly. In the same way Oasis 
wore their influences very proudly. So I think that was a th and they were kind of reacting to what was happening right then and there. Asshole, fucking dickhead, frontman, rock star. Yep. Liam, Axel. Yep. A lot of comparisons. Yeah, I agree. I, I'll Sound put in the Black Rose on that also on their first. Also, a lot of nostalgia now. That's the thing. That's why both Liam, even just by himself, in Guns N' Roses can play stadiums because there's a whole generation that to them that they personified rock and roll, you know? And that's the thing. Especially in England. Yeah, I think in England, especially Oasis is Guns N' Roses, essentially. And everywhere else, it's Guns N' Roses. It's Guns N' Roses. Well, you, but, but in England, it's Oasis, you know? That's in the how. 90s, I think you had Oasis and the Black Crows bringing back old sounds that people were like, hey, we haven't heard this shit in a while. And they did a tour together. Yeah. The tour of Brotherly Love. <laughs> but Chris, Chris Robinson was the... He, he's a great frontman. He was a great frontman. But he's not a rock and roll star. Not the way, not the way Axel and Liam are. Uh, I, I agree with you, but I'm talking about the music, the musicality of it. No one gave a shit what Chris Robinson was doing, you know. Whereas Liam Gallagher and Axel Rose, and I'd say Kurt Cobain too, even though he was a reluctant rock rock and roll star, he was a rock and roll star. Everyone, there was all the soap opera drama about his drug use and Courtney, and like people were interested in Kurt Cobain. He had that he had that presence. You watch an interview of him, your eyes go to Kurt Cobain. He had something to him. Same with Axel. Same with Liam and Noel, I think, to varying degrees. They, certain people just have that magnetism that's a rock star. Black Crows, to me, they're a great working band. They're kind of like Tesla, you know? Yeah, like, but, but, Tesla, the but the Black Crows could, like, headline Tesla can't. That sucks. Yeah, but I'm not talking even about their career. I'm talking about, like, the mystique of what the yeah. band represents. Yeah. But not My Chemical Romance, huh, Gabby? What? Not my I, chemical. I romance. like my chemical romance. Oh, he's just trying to poke the bear, is all. Well, he knows <laughs> I, I like the Black Parade, and I like fucking Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Those are fucking some great albums right there, man. Did we you like lame so shit? Stuff that wasn't this that I already finished my drink, and I'm a little bit drunk. It's pretty hard to make yes. me I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious of what. You should have your dad's yeah. tolerance to alcohol. What's up? I'm curious no, of what the uh, nectar of whatever, whatever you call that, of my loins, my nader potato, <laughs> born April in April of 1995. I didn't give away your whole birthday. You're welcome. Uh, what do you think about this phenomenal group, Oasis? <laughs> What do you really think? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, uh, I know you guys besides me ruining it, shut up! <laughs> I know you guys all really like them. Hey, uh, they're in my top forty. They're not my in my top ten. So there you go. They're not even in my top two fifty. But uh, <laughs> I don't really understand the hype. I wasn't really there. I was there, but I wasn't cognitive. Uh, I, I'm not the biggest fan. I wasn't the biggest fan to begin with, and then he, like, has been hammering it for years and years and years. So now I'm, like, super on the haterade. I understand uh, that, because I loved him four years ago, and I don't know what happened. There and now, like, God, if I see another yes. fucking... 
Um, this <laughs> album, it, this also, like, having to listen to this, took me three days to listen to it. I had to break it up in chunks. And uh, it just really solidified in my mind. I should have never let this man fucking bully me for the things that I liked growing up because he likes this. So I'm just like, yeah, music is very personal. And it's just like that he always thought when we when I was younger, he was like, why are you always perceiving it as a personal attack? Because music's personal. If I was to shit on Oasis, like he shits on the things that I like, he would be fucking crying in the room. What? He would, he's acting he's act yeah. like tough guy because he's in front of his friends. Hey, he's I agree with you on that because he does <laughs> cry when I hate his shit. He does. Yeah. He I've does. never he's cried crying. ever. Liar. Liar. <laughs> Very upset. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be fun to see. It how will be fun because we endured Tay-Tay for you. All right, Mark. Yeah, but like, my girl was actually good. Oh. No. Yeah, I, I, I think I said after you nine songs, I go, when is this album ending? The internet. You wouldn't talk that shit right interesting now. interesting to me because a lot of people want to comment on the strength of Taylor's singing voice, as you did, and I'm pretty sure you did as well. But uh, you like, <laughs> you listen to this guy. That's, That's why. I, well, I have said that Liam does get on my nerves sometimes, kind of like Taylor. So I have give, said that before. Give Mark some hate too. He was the one that said that he was asleep when you were talking. Hey, I Mark, was not asleep when she was talking. I, I I said I was asleep listening after nine after nine songs. I go, why is this album still going? It put me to sleep. It was nothing well, about you you talking. I listened to you completely. Well, it took me three days to listen to this, but I didn't do it. We'll have fun. We'll have fun. No, I want your Mark's thoughts. Oh, yeah, My yeah. thoughts is like I got I got a like validated and crying about me. I didn't apparently shoving Oasis down his throat and being thin skinned. Me thin skinned. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. Come on, dude! I didn't give you credit for something and you got on me when I gave you credit for that like ten times before I said that post. So come on, man. That's also what I said it on a podcast. You came up with this idea. Yeah, I say it in a chat group without giving you credit, and I'm the dick. <laughs> there you go. Uh, this was my idea to bring on Gabby again, so that she can, because she can just shit all over <laughs> my my love. It makes me sleep good at night. This band. And I want to hear what she's got to say, believe me. But and because she's, had to, she's had to endure this shit. Like, she had to listen to Great Expectations. I'm going to say like one thing it. to you, Gabby. My mom played the Eagles. My mom played Aerosmith. My mom played some good shit. Took me to see Cheech Chong when I was seven up in smoke. I'm just saying, I liked my mom's music. It was awesome. It wasn't forced on me. I saw the shit. I saw fucking horror movies that made me fucking want to sleep with my mom at night. She took me to that shit. And that fucking rules. I'm just saying, my mom rules. I'm just saying. It was reverse in our house. Gabby would watch Sailor Moon and I would want to go hide in the closet because it was just so scary. No, my mom just took no, me to this shit. He would stand behind me and berate me. What is this shit? What is it? You know the Japs bombed us, right? What is this shit? What is this? And I would just be like, I'm going to my fucking room, man. 
you're driving me crazy. Like, he, that's what he does. He doesn't just go and hide. He doesn't do that. He sits there and he fucking nags at you and picks at you until you finally give up. And, like, I was five and he was like... Oh, I give up on him all the time. I just say, you're right, Charles. It's cool, man. I'm sorry. I, fu I fucking gave an opinion. It's cool. Yeah, right? I love the guy. I don't want him to hate me. You know? Hey, yeah. this, is, this is great psycho now a evaluation of me. But Mark, what are, we? I know you did an episode, by the way, to the great Ralph Vieira. Love you, dude. Ian, yeah, not Ian, he wasn't on the episode. Uh, uh, Lee Gersman. Hey, dude, lay off the AI uh, videos. Uh, we're going to talk about that later on in the video tonight. We need to review some records, Lee, bring you back to reality, but Lee is my dog. But, Mark, at this point in your life, minus me and my never-ending Oasis propaganda, what do you think about Oasis in general and... Just kind of a general thought. Well, I loved them before I met you. And then, <laughs> just like, you, I got vinyl. I got CDs by Oasis, dude. It's not like I didn't like them. It's just like when you hammer it so much on me, I'm like going, fuck this band. That's why I said I'm sorry. I like this band. I just was fucking rebelling against your superiority on this band. It just made me feel, you know, I hate egos and fucking people who think they know everything. Like you think, I think I know everything. I know shit. I love all I you know. people. I, I don't want to piss any of you people off, but I'll give you a true opinion. And I don't something do it to piss I you off. I'm here that might know something more than me, and that's Eddie C. And, and I'm just uh, saying I got into Oasis. I love fucking this album, dude. I love Supersonic. But we, uh, Supersonic, yeah. But and Eddie, I had What's the Story of Morning Glory? Great album. Also, man. Well, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Dude, if getting it for a dollar, is that not a steal? Yeah, I got it for free from Columbia House. Man, you were one of those people stealing. I, I, I want to hear a quick summation from great Eddie C on how he found Oasis again. And Gabby didn't hear, even though she ran off. Uh, she can hear it, though. And just and I'm looking at a pillow right now. It's a weird that. pillow. Yeah, <laughs> um, just a general summation and kind of like an idea. Of when did you know? Definitely, maybe, and all that stuff. Because I just have to say, I know Supersonic would not Mark and Eddie. Am I not wrong? That would have been like a hundred and twenty minutes. I believe that's what it was. Yeah. It was either a hundred and twenty minutes or. All, or possibly called Alternative Nation at that point. I love that show. It, I think it might have been Alternative Nation at that yeah, point. Yeah, I think so. When yeah. Kennedy was... Or like, yeah. Oh, I hated Kennedy. I think that's when I stopped watching. Cause Kennedy oh, I like sucks. Kennedy. I didn't I like Kennedy. I hated I downtown Julie Brown, too. But I, like, I like women with uh, you know that kind of hair and glasses. Yeah. Kennedy, Kennedy's on Fox News now, Mark. Yeah, she's on Fox now. I know, yeah. but I didn't like... Her, the way she interviewed people but, is kind of weird. That's I, 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 am, I, am I correct? I just found her attractive, that's all. Am but, I, uh, I, I was a good age for that. I, but I think it was. I don't know. I'm thinking, what year? It was 95, you said, when Gabby 94. was born? 94. 94? Yeah. Okay. I was in 1995, father. I know. I said 94, definitely maybe came out in 94. Oh, I thought And you definitely maybe like, went... Oh, my God. 
they're, they're, were you in the womb? Before Eddie, before, yeah, before yeah. You, yeah. you say your summation, like okay, I told so you, I, I, thought, Adrian, I got three people here that can back me up. You don't know when MTV actually showed videos. You do not uh, know. You <laughs> know, she was five no. in 2006. That's when you start remembering shit. So she probably watched all the fucking Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Backstreet Boys, and you know stuff like that. That was the best time. That was the best. <laughs> she probably watched TRL when they did show videos. I'm you gonna defend her there because that shit sucked. But go ahead. You know what 120 minutes is, child? What? Exactly. Okay, Eddie, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think by this point, it was either 120 man, minutes. Or, or Alternative Nation, I forget, but it was one of those two shows. It was late at night. I was either, I think I was just maybe entering high school, maybe, or maybe it was my last year of junior high. I was a teenager. That's all I know. I was young. I was like 14 or something. So I was like 14. And, and I, I, I didn't actually like Supersonic when I first heard it, and I thought Liam's voice was annoying. The first time I heard it, that's what I remember thinking. I was thinking, this British guy's voice is annoying. I used to not like that kind of punk rock snide voice. Like, I used to think the Sex Pistols, I thought Johnny Rotten sounded annoying. I didn't like it. I was, um, you know, I liked a lot of different kinds of music at that point, too. You know, I was pretty eclectic, but I just, I didn't really like it. And it wasn't what I was into, and I kind of ignored it. And then the next song came out, which was the big hit from that album, Live Forever. I didn't like that either. And again, I thought Liam's voice was annoying. So I just, I never, I didn't buy this album when it was a new album. It was, uh, was it 95 the next year when the next album yep. came out? Yeah. Correct. Okay, Wonderwall. The song that you're not so crazy about, that's the song that did it. Loved it. Wonderwall I love that song. Wonderwall was the song, maybe also I was like a year older, you know, I don't know, I, I might, by that point I might have had my first girlfriend, so I was like, suddenly like a song like that, I don't, and I found, I didn't find Liam's voice annoying anymore, maybe I might have been listening I did. to the beat, yeah. I might have been, I think one thing that might have happened from the first year to the second year was that maybe I start, I think I'm thinking now, I think I got into the Beatles at that point, so that opened my mind a little bit to that kind of Lennon-esque Kind of snide singing. Did you hear the Beatles in Wonderwall though? Oh, actually, oh, more yeah. so, more so than I heard in the other two singles. Yeah, yeah, Wonderwall is very Beatlesque, I think, with the strings, the acoustic guitar, the melody. They're even, yeah, uh, yeah I think they're even singing about uh, George Harrison fucking. Well, solo. Mark, Mark didn't understand. There's a certain thing as Beatles twats, and we're actually worse than Rush Tards, and we're worse than Kiss twats, and we're worse than Maiden twats. Well, we are. I will judge everything as the Beatles if you. I, I, do, I, the same, I, I, I do the same. I do the same thing. I do the Beatles with Beatles pop and rock. Second, third album. I actually don't think. I mean, even though there's an obvious influence, some songs more so than other. I don't think definitely maybe is as Beatlesque pervasively throughout as people yeah. act. Like. Yeah. I think yeah. they actually leaned a little more into it once people started saying that. With the yeah. like, that's what like you know, the, you know. I think they start. One song does. I think one song does. There is one song. I'd be curious if it's the same song. There is one song that sounds very <laughs> revolver era Beatles to me, but. Um, but overall, I hear a lot of Stone Roses, I hear the Smiths, I hear the Beatles, I hear a lot of different classic rock influences and British rock influences on this first album. And then, 
people start saying, oh, you're like the Beatles, and I think they, they lean into that a little bit with the next couple albums. But I love any, the Smiths, man. But Wonderwall, yeah, did it something for me. I found it very moving, and I really liked that song a lot, and that made me get, I got that album. I got uh, What's the Story, Morning Glory, and I lo- it wasn't like, I wouldn't say it was like one of my favorite albums that year, but I dug it. I liked it. I thought it was a good album. It didn't make me get definitely maybe actually. So I did. So I wouldn't say I was like a mad fan. Their basis is a little bit of a slow burn for me. They were kind. I guess you could say I was a casual fan. I liked what's the story, Morning Glory. I liked the next album, Be Here Now. Yeah. Yeah, I liked Be Here Now. I love Do You Know What You Mean. I love that song and that video. But then they kind of fell off the map for me. I guess like a lot of Americans and. I just wasn't really paying attention to them anymore. I kind of thought of them as just part of that Britpop wave of the mid-90s, you know? Not Blur, yeah, yeah. Blur, you know, Pulp, you know, and it, even in a way like the Britpop, like Spice Girls, Robbie Williamson. Like, I kind of thought of I them like as... Spice Girls. I'm waiting to do that episode with you all on that show. Sure. Yeah. We're going to do a Spice Girls episode with you. Yeah. But, yeah. but I kind of associated them as kind of a mid-90s Britpop and I never really thought about them as I was getting older. It probably wasn't until, I don't know, uh, maybe uh, my early 30s, maybe, uh, is when it was, so it was about, it was about like 10 years ago or something. I got into a kick. It was actually my ex-wife, who was my wife at the time. She's a, she was, a, well, she still is. She's Australian. And she's like, oh, I bet you, you seem like the type of guy that'd be into o- Oasis. And she said that. She made this. And she was kind of doing it in a snarky way. Because she herself, she was not a big Oasis fan. And she's like, oh, you seem like the type of guy that would think they were really cool and think Liam Gallagher was really cool. you know? And I guess because I was kind of like a rocker guy or whatever. So that made me kind of reappraise him. I thought, oh, well, she's kind of throwing sass my way, but maybe I am an Oasis guy. Let me look into them. <laughs> so I went back and I re-listened to uh, those albums. And I was like, yeah, Oasis is fucking awesome. Why? I was. Why was I just a casual fan? I really love this fan. And then I got. And then that's actually the first time I listened to uh, definitely maybe. I, it was like a remaster. It was Brickwall. I actually hated the Brickwall remasters. So I went back on the Amazon Marketplace and got an original CD from the '90s, which sounded much better. So I did that, and I suddenly really loved this album. This was probably my. Yeah, I'd say it's, it, for a while there it was my second favorite Oasis album. For a while, it's kind of dropped to the third position now. I can't, I do like what's the story, Morning Glory, a little bit better. And number one for me. Be yeah. here now is definitely my number one. But uh, but I objectively, objectively, I think this album we're reviewing and what's the story, Morning Glory, are better than Be Here Now. How I think even the Master Plan is kind of objective. Oh. Oh, here now yeah yeah. Uh, yeah it's a subjective choice it's just like i just dig be here now i think you because it's standing on the shoulder eddie i like that that's probably my fifth favorite so yeah. that's a lock because i'm counting master plan it's why my my fourth favorite and then i'd say standing obviously they're 90s shit it's kind of like smashing pumpkins they're easily their 90s shit's the best in my opinion and then Agreed. I wouldn't. I agree with you. I don't think they've released a bad album, but their O's albums are definitely not as strong as their '90s albums. Yeah, that's part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and obviously, right. yeah, they all had a streak going there for a couple of years. Obviously, just like I think Billy Corgan had a streak going there for a bit for the mid '90s. But 
Be Here Now is just a subjective choice. I just, you know me, I, I've said this before. I like cocaine albums. I like albums yeah. that have a cokey vibe to them. You know, I love my favorite Fleetwood Mac albums, Tusk. My favorite oh, Black Sabbath yeah. albums, Volume 4. My favorite David Bowie albums, Station to Station. Like, I just like coke albums, you know? I like 70s yeah. Aerosmith, which is every album's a coke album. <laughs> I like I like coke albums. So, Be Here Now is like a great cocaine album. So, I just love that album for that reason. Oh. It's, it's brash. It's got swagger. It's great. But, objectively, I can hear that the first two albums, song for song, are stronger albums. I can hear that objectively. Nader, I only tried cocaine once. And I smoked this marijuana. I didn't <laughs> Dude, somebody gave me a joint and it crackled and had fucking like, cocaine in it. It was so weird. It was weird. I didn't like it. You, I didn't like, like it. I like, I knocked the guy out. Dude. And then the next minute you're like, Elam! you felt like Tyrone Begums. It was like you didn't know what to do. So I didn't fuck with cocaine after that. But I know what Eddie's saying. Definitely. <laughs> Be Here Now is a, the most coked out album that Oasis did. Uh, on this tour, leading into Definitely Maybe, at the Whiskey A Go-Go, Mark Alton Taylor, you know that place, and I know Eddie knows I've it. I've never been there because I hate Hollywood. Try well, okay. <laughs> hey, I thought you liked it all the times so we hanged out. No, there. I I'll go there for you or Chris Sinzak, dude, because uh, you guys rule. You know whiskey, that was awesome. That was rainbow. no the rainbow, the rainbow. No, guy. they they played a gig at the Whiskey at Go Go. Well, I know where it's at, dude. I'm just saying because I got my license. The first thing I did was drive and, to Sunset Boulevard and go to Tower okay. Records there. Yeah, yeah, this is the point, and it's on the it's on the documentary Supersonic, which I I'm I tell anybody to watch that. Even if you hate this band, watch that documentary. It's tremendous. And they is that what you made her do? You made her watch a documentary? No, uh, okay. no, it's just silly, and she's gonna watch it eventually on her own. <laughs> I die, she'll be like, "Oh, this made me think of my dad." Um, <laughs> They accidentally did crystal meth instead of cocaine. Accidentally. Accidentally. Now, it's true. They didn't know it was that crystal meth. And they were snorting it like a motherfucker. And the gig was terrible. And Noel said, fuck you guys. And he went to San Francisco. And he hung with this chick. And he wrote Talk Tonight. Which I know Eddie knows how great that song is. I love that song. It's great. Holy shit, that song is great. That's a master plan, man. That's just yes. as good as any album, in my opinion. Even but though it's, it's technically a compilation, you know? Yes. I count it as an Oasis album. Yeah, I do, too. I mean, and that's, it's one of their strongest albums. It's, it's similar, again, to Smashing Pumpkins with their Pisces Aquarius album, which but, is very... But I do know Eddie album. hates... I don't think you like their version of I Am The Walrus. I don't hate it, but it, it's not like, um, it doesn't really bring anything to it, other than it's, like, a little more rocked out, I guess, but it's, I don't know, I don't think it was the best choice for them. It's like, I feel like they should have done more, like, a revolver era song, like She Said, She Said, or Can Your Bird Sing, you know, like, I don't do, uh, leave, uh, Helder Skelter. I, no, I think people should stay away from Helter Skelter. You're never going to get as raw and wild as the Beatles Molly were. Molly did a good version of it. No, so they didn't. It ain't, it ain't, no, the, it ain't the Beatles version. I've never heard a band. It doesn't matter if it's a punk band, a heavy metal band. No band has ever sounded as crazy and fucked up and as intense as the Beatles on Helter Skelter. Which, 
Which is what's crazy is nobody's ever re done a good cover of Anarchy in the UK. I agree. Well, well, the, you thought it'd be the Sex Pistols. Smith did fucking fucking great co come together, man. That it's a good cover. I still don't think it's as good as the Beatles. I it's did. a little bit better. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, I think people generally should stay away from the Beatles from covering. Yes, I agree with you, but I think Aerosmith has done the best covers of the Beatles. The only I'm thinking, uh, Susie and the Banshees, Dear Prudence, is oh, that was a good one. pretty good. It's yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say it's better than the Beatles, but it's kind of as good in its own right. It's not better than the hey, Beatles. Gabby, would Billy Eilish yeah. do a great version of Champagne Supernova? No. What? Really? Would Billy Eilish do a great Champagne Supernova? You just woke Supernova? up your daughter. I don't know. I don't fucking like that. <laughs> yeah, we're losing her here, so let's let's get into like the album. Well, let's okay, get, get into the album. Let's get into the album, man. We're gonna. Well, yeah, you yeah. have to do your MVP and least valuable player yes. first, though. Go for it, Charles. You take this shit. My over. MVP by far is Bonehead. <laughs> He's just. I'm joking. I'm fucking joking. <laughs> it is absolutely Noel Gallagher, one hundred percent. Without his songs, you don't have this band. The greatest songwriter of his generation. Suck it, Scott Stapp. Suck it, Live. Suck it, Gavin Rosdale. Suck it, Matchbox 20. Oh, Rob I, Thomas is a great songwriter, man. Now, now he's got nothing on Noel Gallagher. He's pal. just as good. Uh, he's just as good. Even though Liam's a close 1A, one, like 1B. One you don't have, we'll get into the review, but without these songs that Noel Gallagher has written to this very day, spoiler alert, when we do BS, Noel Gallagher's album is the best album of this year, by the far, um, in my opinion. Um, he's an excellent fucking beyond the belief songwriter, and it comes instinctively. Uh, least valuable would be Tony McCarroll, who was the drummer on this album. Not a bad meat and potatoes drummer, but the motherfucker sued Oasis, got a six-figure settlement right when What's the Morning Story Glory hit. Even a British writer said, you're an idiot. He's like, you could have just held out a few minutes longer. And he would have made a ton of money or just stayed in the band, his his claim in the band, and made way more money. Tony McCarroll, by far, is the least valuable player in the history of Oasis. Uh, but Noel is the chief. God bless the chief. He's my favorite, even though I do love Liam as 1B. So there you go. Well, I'm just going to agree with you, Charles. Go ahead, Eddie. <laughs> Um, I, it's like slightly flipped. Like I agree with everything he said about Noel, uh, but my, in my opinion, Liam's the VIP because you know you don't have songs like Rock and Roll Star unless you got Rock and Roll Star singing it, and that's the thing. L Liam brings the bad boy swagger to it. He brings the attitude. He brings the voice. Uh, even though I love Noel's solo stuff, I actually prefer Liam's a little bit more, and I just think. You know, you can have great songs, but if you don't have that attitude, and if you don't have a really great front man, it wouldn't really matter so much. So I don't know. I, I'll give the edge to Liam. Even though his voice annoyed me when, you know, I was a young virgin. But, you know, once I actually start 
you know, dating and living life and rock and roll. And then suddenly Liam's voice resonated more with me and his attitude resonated with me more. And he's one of my favorite rock stars. I think he's an awesome dude. So I like Liam. And he's my—he's definitely my favorite Oasis. But Noel's definitely—he's uh, no slap. She's a great songwriter. You gotta have both, or it's not Oasis. So he's definitely number two. A very strong number two from Noel. And then you know, who gives a fuck about the other guys. Yeah. Do you, do you have an opinion on this? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? I don't have a VIP. I don't. I don't have an MVP. Whatever. Is there one you hate more? <laughs> I hate Leo. I hate him. <laughs> he does put himself out there more. So that makes... Oh, I hate him so much. <laughs> I can't stand him. Um, you'll hear about it. You'll hear I changed my mind now. I think maybe Leo's my favorite. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right, man. Well, the way he stands, love. Oh, I yeah. love the way Remember, it's the way he okay. stands. Only a true rock star can get away with that. Yes. A lesser a lesser performer would need to do something on stage. Liam doesn't have to do shit. He just has yes. to stand there and He's lean into the mic. <laughs> I'm going to say it. I believe this in my heart of hearts. Maybe Eddie can back me up. Mark won't because he likes like crap music and Nader likes... You see, you see what he does stuff. to us? <laughs> I'm always put down. I, I'm I'm called I I'm the one who knows everything, but I like crap music and I, I don't like call him on it. I just let him Liam Gallagher. I never last, go off on you, Charles. Middle, so like, Liam Gallagher is the last rock star to walk God's green earth. What? Uh, Liam yeah, Gallagher. Liam Gallagher? Yes. All right, man. Well let's get into this. Well, no, I want to know what Eddie thinks. Eddie it, already it, said it, didn't he? Yeah. He did. Yeah, I, 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 well, if we're saying Liam, I actually think Lana Del Rey has a lot of mystique. There you go, Gabby. It's actually one of the things I like about her is that I actually think she has a little bit of a Liam vibe to her. Cause See, she's Gabby? Oh, See? Uh, I disagree. I think she has a kind of old school <laughs> fuck off rock and roll vibe to her. Look at no. Mark. Goes I, against the grain, I think, a little bit. More. I agree, Gabby. She's not a rock star. You are correct, ma'am. <laughs> I agree. But, yeah. uh, but, but she does not sing rock music, so you can't call her a rock star. So that's the thing. Yes. If we're talking about someone that... Uh, so I do think there are other interesting great stars. Post- Kanye West? Faces. Kanye West, I do think, has what we would perceive as a rock star. He's yeah, charismatic. He's He's crazy. He says things that people are interested in. So, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> but doesn't do rock music, again. So you can't say that. If we're talking about the, a, a dynamic singer that people are drawn to and interested in that is the front man for a rock band, yeah, I, I can't think of anyone after Liam Gallagher. Who's, who's after Liam Gallagher? Who? Me neither. When well, they the did, best they is David Roth. Roth. They've they done before. They I, I know. I'm Kurt just saying. The best. Even before. I'm, just saying, before. I'm, I'm just saying the best Liam, of all time is Daily Roth. That's all. That might, but you know, maybe I, I would say Jim Morrison probably. Oh yeah, Jim Morrison. Elvis Presley. Elvis Aaron Presley. Yeah, I, I think Jim has even like more, more of a mystique. mystique. Yeah. Yeah. More <laughs> exactly. Of a Jim yeah. Morrison had more mystique than Elvis Aaron Presley. Yeah, I, think, I, I think he does. Yeah. He turned his back to yeah. the audience and sing, dude. Well, they both might have, but they aren't Liam Gallagher. 
I don't. Ian Gallagher ever turns. He ain't no Jim Morrison though. Did, you know, did they, like people want thirty years from now be making movies about him and about <laughs> like you know and think about him. Like Jim Morrison has this whole mystique about going out in the desert and doing drugs and there's all this stuff connected to him. Plus, he died young. What he about Aquel? Which hurts him in this in that what, sense. What about Aquel Rose? I mean, he he's still doing his thing. Yeah, I think problem with Aquel. Yeah, but again, before Liam, we're talking about like whose album, like like those are all artists that predated Oasis. I'm gonna say, exactly. I'm gonna say yeah. one thing. Liam, probably the best front man of his time. He's a he's Thank a good guy. He had a snarl. He had a good fucking. He's not a good him. guy. But I, I'm yeah. saying, <laughs> like I I've kind of Eddie kind of made me agree. Fucking. Axel Rose is kind of a caricature of himself now. He's just going through the motions. Jim Morrison never had that time to go through the motions. That guy would turn his back to the audience and fucking sing towards kind of the like drummer. Kind of like Kurt Cobain, you don't really care for. No, because his lyrics are gobbledygook. No, no, what are you talking about? Kurt no, Cobain, amazingly. He even no, said his lyrics are lazy and he doesn't care about them. So <laughs> no, he just he's just being a smart ass in interviews. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. so let's get to this album. Let's man. get to the album. God damn it. Get to the album. Yeah, since come on. our uh, since our uh, down brother Jerry Soup, he still gets to pick his song. He picked uh, "Rock and Roll Star" oh, on the Freeform right. Rock podcast. <laughs>
All right, that was rock and roll star Jerry. Jerry? Oh, wait, you're not here. So let's start with you, Eddie. Great song, obviously. A mission statement. You know, people in the context, and uh, yeah, people have to understand, like in 1994, especially, even more so than 1995. In 1994, to have an album where you're singing about being a rock and roll star, that's like really, that was like really subversive. Because this is like the after the peak of grunge and, and Nirvana and you know the whole Seattle scene where rock stardom was seen as embarrassing and like garish and kind of tacky and like and lame. So this we felt like reverting back to like hair metal or what was going on like in the late '80s. This in a new fresh way was saying you know it's cool to be a rock star. Let's embrace it. You know, fuck this dreary shit. And, you know, I'm a huge Nirvana fan, and I was a huge huge Nirvana fan at that time period, more so than o Oasis. But now, I like Oasis better, <laughs> even though I do like Nirvana. But now, because I was like, yeah, I like fucking rock and roll, and I think it's cool that they're embracing it, and it's a catchy tune. And you got you got Liam with the swagger, you know, he's bringing it to the vocals. It's, I like that it just kind of launches in. You got that almost lazy guitar hook, it's like that lead guitar that goes like wang wang. <laughs> it's kind of drunken and lazy, but that's kind of part of it, the the charm of it. It's just like, yeah, we're fucking taking it to the stage. I also think it's like, you know, if you front like you fake it until you make it kind of thing. Like Oasis, right out of the gate, are like saying the rock stars, even though they weren't rock stars yet, but. It made it happen. It made them become rock stars. And that's like a thing. Like, I mean, David Bowie used to say in the early 70s before he really broke, he would always show up to shows in a limo and like act like a rock star, like a rock star from another planet. And he, he catered to that mystique. And that's the thing. And even like Jim Morrison on the first Doors album, there, there was an instant mystique like this guy's special. He's like leaning into being not like you. He's a rock star. And Oasis almost take, they kind of have it both ways. They're like, we're like, like you, we're the working class blokes at a pub pretending to be a rock star, but tonight we're actually going to become rock stars. <laughs> That's the thing. It's about the transformation. So I get a lot from this song. And it's also, it's not even like a top five song for me on this album, but it's a great way to open the album. And it's a great way to introduce to you what, Oasis is about, which is about being fucking rock stars. That's what they're about. And it's a catchy tune, and I dig it. And I love this the big, loud, washed-out guitar sound that you have throughout this album. Yeah. And this is the first time you hear it. It's the first time you hear the Oasis tone, guitar tone. So, okay. yeah, great song. Love it. Let me go next, Mark. Go for it. This, and by the way, great big chair, Soupy. We miss you, buddy. Uh, this, ladies and gentlemen, of the jury, is how you make a fucking statement with the opening track of your debut album. Your debut album. This band was only together about a year and a half, two years. And Noel wrote this in a fucking... He broke his foot on a construction job his dad got him in a in a, a materials room. He wrote all most of this album in there. All right, he wrote most of this, and it's incredible. It kind of reminds me of Welcome to the Jungle, 
Yeah, that's like a mission statement too. Yeah, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Not the same type of song, but making a motherfucking statement right off the rip, dude. From the guitar whale in the beginning, leading those double scrapes into that iconic riff, this guarantee to have the lads pogoing from beginning to end. I mean, they are jumping from... If you watch English concert footage, these people are losing their fucking minds from beginning to end. Then in... Then we get that kick in of the voice of the last true rock star that has walked God's green earth. And from what I've seen, probably the last. This isn't tunes for fans of Dua liposuction or some kind of shit like that. No, 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 no. This is pure rock and roll fury. Provided by the snot attitude from Liam and Noel blistering with that guitars. You're going to crank it past 11. He played it on Epiphone, which is a crap guitar, by the way. But, yeah, but, but you know, uh, Malcolm Young used an Epiphone. Yeah? Yeah, it's a, it has a great sound. Possibly yeah. because it's kind of shitty. Yeah, and as, as Noel wrote and Liam sang... You're not down with who I am. Look at you now. You're all in my hands tonight. Absolute pure rock classic that is easily one of the best rock songs ever put to tape. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to let... Uh, I'll go next. I'll let Gabby go last. Uh, great rocker to open album. Actually, love the way Liam is phrasing his lyrics here. And at the end, that big jam with the drums going to fuck off. I fucking love this song, man. And uh, I think uh, four years ago, I said the same thing. This fucking song fucking rules. Then we get to you, Gabby. Why do you hate it? Uh, <laughs> oh, I mean, all of the things you guys said, like, you're like, oh, yeah, he's the last rock star. Like, this is the way to start it. Yeah, that's kind of a big contributing, probably a reason why I don't like it. Cause, um, like who the you're like you said, like oh they haven't even made it to this yet, but they're faking it till they make it. Yeah, I I get that, but also who the fuck are you? Uh, my first impression of the song was I really liked the opening guitar riff because it felt like the opening montage of like a '90s early 2000s teen movie. And I really dug that. I was like, okay, I'm getting into it. And I was immediately snapped out of it upon Liam Gallagher opening his mouth. Uh, <laughs> I I didn't like the end of the song. I felt like it was drawn out too much. And like I saw what they were trying to do with like the spin out effect of like living their best lifestyle, but like I, it wasn't executed well for me. Um, and it's mostly because of Liam. I just I don't like his voice at all. At all. I went I went in. I know everybody thinks, oh, she's just here to do No, I went in trying to be neutral. I just hate the way that man talks and sings and acts and breathes. <laughs> I just don't like it. I just don't like it. But I didn't think the opening part was bad. I liked the instrumental until he came. If you just kept it all instrumental, it would have been like, okay, so it's setting the scene and the mood for the movie that's going to play probably in a high school in the 90s or the early 2000s. But, yeah. 
I did it. I it just uh, they have deep. more third eye blind in the movies in the nineties than Oasis. I just like it just feels like it jumper just feels and like, shit okay, like that. Like I just want to I want you to try to understand though, Gabby. This man wrote this but this man wrote this in a like tiny shack. They did not they were nobody. Nobody. And this motherfucker was like, We're gonna be rock and roll stars. I mean, that's all I can say. It's not Liam. Noel wrote it. But yeah, Liam has that swag. The lyrics it's, itself aren't really the problem. It's the execution. It's yeah, the, well. Like the way he sounds. We can't win them all. But Shaker Maker, I want to go first, Mark. Go for it. We... Nobody can no, it. just listen to your episode when I knew I'd like to be. <laughs> da, 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 That's da, what da, I da. asked you. You went, huh? I knew the version of that Coke commercial from when I was a kid. The very first term, time I heard this song, I was like, oh, wow, they totally ripped off I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing in Perfect Harmony. I knew it immediately. But yet the guitars sound like CCR to me. Am I, I wrong? Bring that up? I was going to actually bring uh -huh. that up. Beat me too, I, I, Charles. Yeah, I, I think it, I think the melody's a little even CCR. Yeah, I think The repeating of the, the, the chorus... There's something about that that's kind of John Fogarty-ish, but definitely that guitar hook in the beginning. Born on the Bayou. Yeah, yep, yeah, I agree. I I, I was gonna say that. Yeah. But I mean, from the moment I heard Liam singing, I'd like to teach the world. I was like, I know that this is that Coke commercial. I love that Coca song. Coca-Cola meets CCR with some more washed-out yeah. distortion. I love that Coke commercial when I was a little kid. And I immediately, immediately, before I knew who Ralph Fierro was, anybody on this planet, I knew he ripped off that song. I was like, oh, he might have caught hell for that, which he did. He got sued. You know what? Noel Noel's only been sued three or four times, so That's for all the ripping off he's done, he's not yeah. been ripped. He's not been sued a lot. Um, yeah, it's totally. I'd like to teach the world to sing a perfect harmony with CCR, born in the Bayou guitars. Um, but you know what? I can look past it because of. Whatever it is, it's got witty lyrics, Mark. You love witty lyrics so much. Well, you, if it's you got, heard that episode, you know what my opinion was. So. Well, I didn't. I don't remember. It's got witty lyrics. Um, oddly, Noel did not have a third verse of this song at all. He was riding in a cab with Liam on the way to the the, the fucking studio to finish it. Who happened to be probably on the bender, probably shot up a little cocaine. It was like, do you have, he was up Noel's ass, do you have a third verse? Do you have a third verse? And Noel was like, man, chill the fuck out, dude. And they happened to be stopped at a traffic light by at Mr. Sifter's, which was a record store in Manchester. And and they frequented there and looked at records. They couldn't afford them. And Noel jotted down the third verse on the spot in the cab and told him to shut the fuck up. Noel's guitar solo on the... And, and listen to the third verse. He wrote that on the spot in the cab. 
Yoel's guitar solo is one of the sexier solos he's ever laid down. I do judge it ever so slightly under Rock and Roll Star, but only by a little hair. Another classic Oasis song. I fucking love it. Yeah. Rip off. On an episode, Dr. Fuck brought that up. It was, uh, he thought it was a Pepsi. I corrected him and said, no, it was a it's Coke, Coke commercial. Yeah. yeah, I corrected him. He goes, oh, yeah, it's Coke. But uh, that was a cool episode. And he brought that up, and me and Lee both agreed with him. Lee was kind of like uh, all over the place on this album. <laughs> it's fucking funny as shit. I listened to it the other day. But, yeah, I love little Beatles sound on here. Uh, really heavy. I fucking like this song. So we get to you, Eddie. Uh, I love this song. In fact, I would say it's my, uh, it's like maybe my fourth favorite song on the album. I actually like it better than Rock and Roll Star, which even though I do love that song, it doesn't crack my top five for this album. I would say, yeah, I'm thinking about it now. Yeah, this is like my fourth favorite song on the album. It just has a groove. Now, this is not a song that hits you right away. It was a single. Um didn't do shit in America. Maybe in the UK it did. But uh, in the in America, it was pretty much just super like and live forever. Um, but but in the UK, they had a lot of hits from this album, and this was one of them. But this, uh, I did, you hear a little Beatles, but you hear a lot of CCR, as we talked about, both in the guitars, and I think even the chorus, the, the simplicity of like you know, getting kind of a groove on, I think there's a similar ethos to CCR and Oasis, where... At the time, CCR were all about getting back to basic rock and roll, just short, catchy, kind of working-class songs that people could sing along to, you know? And I think Oasis was doing that. So I think people focus too much on just the Beatles thing sometimes. I think they had a lot of influences, you know? that You had the Stones, you had CCR, you had Kinks. I hear a lot of Kinks in Oasis. Yeah. You hear, and then you know, going into the 80s, like the Smiths and Stone Roses... I don't think it's all just the Beatles, like some people think. And even a little bit of the Sex Pistol with like uh, Liam, Liam's approach. I always felt I always felt like he sounded like a mix of Johnny Rotten and, and John Lennon. You know, it wasn't just John Lennon. And, yeah. But anyway, but yeah, this song has a little bit of... It, it, it's a great song. It's just got a nice deep groove to it. And and it's, it's just groovy. It's a sexy, groovy song. I dig it. You know, it's a hot song. I like it. Rock and roll. It's like if this is where like they try to line, like bring it back a little of that R and B groove, even in their own British kind of Manchester way, where you know music like those early Beatles and early Stones albums, you know, that had a lot of R and B influence. That there's there's a groove to it. You can kind of bob your head to it. You know, it, there's it's you can get down to the hips with it. It's not like whereas a lot of the Seattle stuff was a little more cerebral or emotional. This is bringing it back to below the belt, in my opinion. You know, maybe not as overtly as a lot of hair metal or even Guns N' Roses, but in their own British way, I think they were making music kind of sexy again, rock and roll music again. And you hear it in this song. All right. So I love it. Great song. Gabby, Shaker Maker, why do you hate it? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... All I had to write was I like the opening of the song even better than it, the last one, Rock and Roll Star, or whatever. Uh, I was like, I feel like I'm the cool kid on the wrong side of the tracks, smoking a cigarette, wearing leather at the beach. Uh, my only complaint was it was a little repetitive. 
it wasn't the worst or the best thing that I ever heard in the world, but I could, like, listen to it and not feel like I'm shooting nails into my ears like normal. And I mean this with the absolute, the absolute most leniency. Like, it kind of compares to West Coast by Lana Del Rey, and I think Eddie will know what song I'm talking about, is giving that kind of feel, and I didn't hate it. Oh. That doesn't surprise me. I thought that one might be one of the ones you wouldn't hate because of that. But yeah, because it has that. It does have a similar West Coast kind of yeah. uh, group. Like, oh, this one's not so. Well, that's, that's sexy. It's got this sexy thing going. Yeah. It's yeah, swerve to it. Got CCR kind of feel to that guitar. Think, yeah, well, CCR was kind of. They had a little bit of a kind of swerve yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah, they were from San Francisco. I thought they were from. But it's a real they're from, well, yeah, they're from San Francisco, but you wouldn't know it by hearing. They they did a great job capturing the I mean, southern groove. Yeah. The first time I heard it, Mark, before I even knew who you were, Ralph, anybody, the first time I heard it, I was like, "Oh wow, this is that Coke commercial." It's fine. Yeah. I didn't even think about that until you guys said it. Now, now I can't unhear it. Bye-bye. So, bro, the sing in perfect harmony. That's it. Well, yeah. you know, they're like Led Zeppelin. Oasis are Is, is there a great song team. like, I, I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, would you like to be a pepper, too? From We're going to make Mark Alden Taylor, me on guitar, and you singing. <laughs> What's the next they, song? What's they, the next song? The next song is freaking Live Forever, which uh, surprisingly nobody picked. So I'll, I'll, Whoa, go really? I'll, I'll go first on this, man. No, add it to the episode anyway, because Jerry... Dude, we have six oh, songs. I don't want to have to listen to that. No, if you won't, good. you'll skip through it. We're good. You, you nah. can hit 30 seconds, skip, 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 so you can get through the song. And he does that every episode. <laughs> well, I do except sometimes. The shags, except the shags. Because I'm like, yeah, I mean, if it's a if it's a group I haven't heard before, but if it's an album I've listened to a lot, why am I going to sit and listen well, we to it? We know a lot of you have heard the group before, but the thing is, a lot of people haven't. That's why we put the songs in there. That's fine. Don't uh, put all it. All right. So yeah, we get everybody to, at home, Google, we live forever. We can okay. live forever. Uh, I'll go first. I was going to go first. I'll go first. Uh, whatever. It's my show. <laughs> Live forever. I mean, I can probably say if one isn't in the song, they probably lack a soul. Like, really. Literally. Even if you don't necessarily like this band, I mean, you have to hear a great song. It's inspired by the Stones, Rolling Stones, by the way, not the Stone Roses, but by the Rolling Stones classic Shine Light. Which I love. And I'll take Exile over Physical Graffiti any day of the week, by the way. And I love Zeppelin a little bit more than the Stones. Um, it was written by Noel Gallagher in response to the Nirvana song, I Hate Myself and Want to Die. Uh, because he was like, I'm not going to have our English lads listen to that shit. Fuck that. Live forever. Oh, That's anyway. what I want to do. Well, well you, this, you you spoke of uh, 
XL Main Street, I just got to pander myself a little bit here because Eric RSP Jordan from Rock All of You Podcast was on our Ted Nugent episode and he said, Eddie wants me to do XL Main Street. And I go, I want to be on that episode. So I'm just well, telling you just, in case you're right. You could be on that episode. I'd want to be on it too. I think it's. Oh, my. If you are both on it, it's a double fucking album. It'll be like a five hour episode. Yeah, I'll be probably. short with my. You see me, I get short with my answers. I know. I might. Make you guys battle it out for it. So oh, I mean, the <laughs> song first. Boston <laughs> Nirvana, I Hate Myself, Want to Die, which was on the Beavis and Butthead Experience. Yep. And then on later Nirvana extended version of In Utero, In Utero, which I love that album, by the way. Yep. So, um, stark difference between Britpop and grunge. The sense of optimism versus uh, that slit your wrist shit. The lyrics on this are out of this world. I mean, maybe you're the same as me. We see th we see things that you. They'll never see. One of the best lines I've heard about true friendship. And, um, I mean, dude, it, it, how we all do live forever in our friendships and family as long as we pass on the stories about our friendships and family. Another great guitar solo. So, hey, kids, use the major pentatonic solo uh um, scales every now and then not just the minor that's for the guitar nerds use a little major pentatonic it works really good no one erases soloing as a guitarist which is odd meaning he rarely lacks of confidence usually but I think throughout this album his guitar playing is stellar but the true, the true star of the track to me is Liam Gallagher I've heard Noel do the song and it just didn't quite hit right. The counterbalance of the badass that is Liam and this tender song is the right fit. Absolutely mad for it, masterpiece. On to you, Eddie. I don't love this song as much as you. Uh, you probably already had this idea. I feel like what what... I feel like we could flip Wonderwall and live together, <laughs> live forever. You know what I mean? I feel like they're both like two of their most famous songs. And I feel the way you feel about Live Forever is how I feel about Wonderwall and vice versa. Like, yeah. and, and how we feel about the other song, like, you know. Um, like, this song never moved me quite as much as it moves you. It's, it's not, I can hear it's a good song. Like, objectively, I can hear it's a memorable song. I, I like the origin. I like the, you know, that's supposed, like, a positive reaction to the Nirvana song. I actually like the Nirvana song. It's, it's reaction. I like more. Too. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I actually like that song better. But, but, at the same time, I do think it's cool that Noel's, like, answering that song. I think that's cool, you know? I like hearing different points of views and different opinions, and I think that's cool. I only, I think necessarily Noel might have hated the song per se. I can imagine on a certain level as a songwriter, he respected Kurt Cobain because Kurt Cobain also was influenced by the Beatles and could write a tune, you know? But I think it's more about what it represented, you know, the, 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 what the song's like suggesting to people. I think that's what he didn't like, you know, the negativity, you know? Yeah. And, and, and. But I love that song yeah. too, like you, Eddie. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and the uh, but but this is a good song. It's just it's I would say it's kind of towards the bottom of my f- songs I like on this album though. I don't know for whatever reason this song I can hear it's objectively a really good song. I I can hear how it means a lot to a lot of people, but for whatever re- reason it never resonated that much with me personally. But I I do like. Um, the execution, it's cool, but I don't know, it's just not, it's never been one of my favorite Oasis songs. It's not even one of my favorite songs on the album, so, so there you go. The, the biggest hit on the album. And it's not, I'm not being like, just because it's the biggest hit. Wonderwall's my favorite song on the next album, so it's not, I'm not being that guy. And just, yeah. Yeah, it's just for whatever reason, this song never really, uh. I feel that's the way about Wonderwall, so yeah, it makes sense. Exactly. Yeah, we just like flip them and we'd be the same. Yeah. <laughs> Nader Potato. What do you think about Live Forever? Uh, well, <laughs> you were like, if you don't like this song, you don't have a soul. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, I wrote three tracks in, and I've had to intentionally check and make sure that I'm listening to different songs because they're all starting to sound the same. There's, a, there's cohesive and there's repetitive, and this is leaning repetitive three songs in. I like the high part of you and I are going to live forever, but That's whenever cool. guy That's pronounces cool. may or lay, lay, I want to eat a gun. That is that is what I do. You want to eat a gun? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So I you like Nirvana more. How that little thing that he does, it's, it's really bad on Wonder Woman. <laughs> and, hey, I, don't, I don't want that. I'm just like, stop. Like, stop. Why are you doing this? I, like, I initially thought his voice was annoying too so i get it but but it's like an acquired taste it's an acquired taste but, there are some yeah. singers like that sometimes yeah but, yeah and i'm but like, like not, hey, no it. one should like mm-hmm. that i made my dad should like them like 40 percent less but 40 like, percent no, that's not too bad 40 percent if you bring but, him down to 40 he would still be at like 80 percent so are you love is noel gallagher my favorite part he well, does not have it. He does not have a song on a singing song in this album, which is weird. Maybe he should, because but the vinyl, the vinyl has the vinyl has a sad song. By the way, yeah. But uh, go ahead, Mark. What do you um, think about forever? I was going to say we did a review with Gabby on uh, Taylor Swift, yeah. And you're telling us that his voice is sounding the same and the same. Yep, uh, I am. I am. <laughs> you guys were like, God, oh, this is so repetitive. I listened to that whole so album, it, and it, it was like it blended together so much. It's That's like, how I feel about this. So yeah, I understand I, that, but I don't about. understand how you don't see that with Taylor Swift, if you see that with Liam. But well, uh, if you like the thing, you don't mind it being repetitive. Yeah, my thing. point. Like, like, yeah. I mean, she's not wrong. I mean, actually, we're, neither of us no. are wrong. Both, both no, are wrong. repetitive. But we just like the shit more on one, so we don't mind it yeah. being repetitive. I just wanted to call her out on that. <laughs> nobody's ever wrong except Mark Alden Taylor. I'm wrong all the time. Don't, don't bully me. Mark. I love Come extreme. On. All right. There you go, Mark. I Season. suck up. What do you think about Live Forever? Yeah, what do you think of fucking Live Forever? forever. I thought you would pick this track, Charles, because you push it down my throat so many times and talk about it. So many fucking Live Forever, Live Forever, Live Forever. You didn't pick it. You disappointed me on this one, man. Uh, 
better one. I like, for some reason, I like Liam's voice on this. Uh, his vocalizing usually irritates me on the later albums, but man, this is a fucking album. This and What's the Story Morning Glory that I fucking really love. And Noel's guitaring is awesome on this song also. And I'm still, and I'm still fucking wondering why you didn't pick this track. You talk about it more than any other Oasis song. Because I picked one that's better, but with Gabby, she liked the part with, You and I are going to live forever. That's Noel. I can't sing it that, that high. I think and, that's, uh, that, that's the best part of the song. I do like that harmony there. It is nice. I'm amazed that Noel did not pick a song. This is the only album without a lead vocal from Noel. I think he didn't have the confidence quite yet. It's like Ace Freely with Kiss. Like it, you know. I mean, he starts singing sooner than that, but I'm just saying he probably lacked a little confidence to be the lead. Yeah. Yeah. It's just weird because he can sing fine. But even look, I mean, he only sings lead on one song on the next album. I think he just needed a little like, um, you know, affirmation, you know. Well, let me ask this before we go to the next song, which is something I might shit on. But did you hear the Keith Richards song on the new Stones album, Eddie? Didn't you watch my review? Yeah, but do you yeah. like Keith Richards? <laughs> he, he liked, yeah, that was he like one it. of the few songs liked I liked. liked yes, it. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, now I think, I at the time I said um, Live by the Sword was my favorite song on the album. That's, uh, I kind of flipped, I listened to, after listening to you guys talk about it, I re-listened to a couple of the, the few songs I liked, and, and there's like three, there's like three songs that I thought were alright, and, and yeah, now I think the Keith's the best, that's the song. Why Come was Live by the Sword? You changed your mind. Live by the Sword, is, yes, Live by the Sword, I'd say, is my second favorite. The lyrics was... were stupid, but, but I think we all are on the same page with this. That song just had the most Rolling Stones groove. Like I was, it actually sounds like the Rolling Stones that song. So that's yeah. why I, I was so predictable. The one with Paul. <laughs> that would be. That's the third. That's the third tier. I wouldn't say. Like I said in the video, it shouldn't be one of the better songs on the album. In my opinion, but it is. Like it's kind of a lazy, dumb song. But it's the second fuzz bass he's ever done. He did. I, that. I, I like Paul's bass. It's got a breakdown. It's short. It's like you know. Listen, if more songs were like that on that album, I would like it more. It uh, was more. It was definitely more than the three they wrote with that fucking producer. Oh, the horrible, horrible dude. Hire Andrew Wyatt. Not Andrew Watts. Yeah, well, that's what I said in my video. Bring yeah, in Andrew, Kevin, bring, bring in Kevin Shirley. I think he could do a better. No, record. Andrew Wyatt, Andrew who Watt, does all the Liam albums. By the way, you know who else is a great producer? The Liam, the Liam, like like the Liam albums sound more like Classic Stones than that fucking Rolling Stones. You know Stone. who would make the classic? Would make them sound like the Classic Stones? One or two takes. Fucking Dave Cobb. No, Andrew Wyatt. Dave yeah, I Cobb. It's, Andrew White can have a little bit of both too because he he is a little pop and modern as well. He would have done a more successful hybrid of wanting to go pop. Or called Taylor. Uh huh. Work by Liam Gallagher. I no, I like and I like Dave Cobb, dude. He's produced Eddie. Am I wrong? What's that? The opening track, "More Power" on. Yeah. Come on, you know that is so Rolling Stones. It is. It's got uh, actually the last album is the most Stonesy one, I think yes. overall. You know, and Wyatt 
Fuck yeah, Watt. Yeah. Andrew Wyatt would have been a much better Andrew to go with. Listen to the last two Rival Sons album, Dave Cobb, man. No, I won't. What's the next song? See, see oh, Gabby? Look, he pushes things on me when I push things on him. It's like, no, I won't. Uh, move on, move on, move on. Yeah. Move on. <laughs> I just had to bring it up. So next song is Up in the Sky. I'll I'll go first on this one. Yeah. Love the riff that starts the song, kind of Beatles, New Wave, Alt. Fucking love the song. It's bouncy, fun, killer bridge. This isn't like a Zep when I wanted to blow up the fucking bridge. Fucking I hate that fucking crunch. I love how the chick, <laughs> like he said, is the... The chick, he wants a chick to get inside him, and he's a man. That's fucking pretty deep. I like that fucking lyric. So what do you think about it, Eddie? Uh, I really I really dig this song. I think it's uh, one that, it does. It just misses my top five. Like maybe it's like my sixth favorite song on the album. I really dig it. Uh, now this is one, like I said, I thought some of the Beatles influence gets overstated by people. But this one, yeah, this one's very Beatles. Very specifically Revolver era Beatles, in my opinion. And, you know, I like uh, the guitar hooks. I like the melodies. Uh, it's it's one of the stronger tracks. And I always like the song. I guess you could say it's an album track. It's one of the few... Most of this, this album sounds like singles to me. Like, half of it sound like they can be singles. And they were in the UK. In the UK, half this album was singles. Uh, this does not sound like a single, but it sounds like a really good album track. It's catchy. I dig it. It's great, classic kind of... I think of all the songs on this album, this is the most straight up, like, just British Invasion-style rock and roll. You know, Yardbirds, Beatles. It's got a little bit of that. Great song. Dig it. So what do you Go think about it? On, Nader. Me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, um, this is one of the songs I had the least to say about. Um, because I was like, if I if I say everything, it's just going to sound like I hate them. And I did try to go into this being, like, open-minded, because I was like, maybe they'll have some stuff that I just haven't heard that I like. But uh, so far, this song, I hate it. I hate the production on it. And the only thought I really had to add to it was, God, British people really hate the Queen, don't they? And other, I didn't think oh. other than that. I was just like, uh... I, I don't know. I was like, that song, that was when I decided, I was like, I need to take a break because if I keep going, I'm just going to write just nothing but mean stuff. And that's not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I'm trying to do it a fair shot because you guys gave my stuff a fair shot. But I just didn't like this one at all. I like uh, I liked the uh, Shaker Maker a lot better. Ooh. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. Be sorry. We cry, complain, and woo. Mm -hmm. My turn, right, Mark? Yep. Yeah. You know, sure, I touched on it, I think. There's big parallels to me between G and R in this band. And much like Appetite for Destruction, which had two songs I'm not overjoyed with, we hit the work, the first one that I'm kind of really not like that wild about. See, that surprises me. You made that inference before because this one's like so Beatles-esque, and you love the fucking Beatles. It starts off promising, but <laughs> that guitar riff, it just gets wore out to the point of becoming fairly fucking annoying. That um, 
great. It could be because I know they had songs like Fade Away, Cloud Burst, and Sad Song in, you know, in can as well as a lot of stronger songs in my ears. Definite filler here, and even Liam can't save this boredom that is this song. There you go. Wow. Not wild about Up in the Sky. Never have been. Then we get to Columbia. Uh, Yikes. Want to go first on this one, Eddie? <laughs> yeah, sure. Awesome motherfucking song for the ages. My second favorite song on the album. Objectively the best song on the album, in my opinion. But it's subjectively my second favorite. Uh, I believe they opened that big stadium show of theirs in the mid-90s uh, with this song. Um, it's... Again, this is a song that I, I, like everyone talks about the Beatles, like the last one sounded like the Beatles, but this one, uh, this has their own thing. If anything, I hear a little bit of the Stone Roses more on this one, uh, but better, better than the Stone Roses. And I like the Stone Roses. Me and Charles both like them. But I think the Stone Roses never fully realized, I mean, they, they have a couple songs that are very memorable. Of course, their biggest hit, I Want to Be Adored. But it wasn't, I always felt they had a great sound but didn't really have all the songs that a great band has. The Smiths did have the songs. I don't think the Stone Roses had the songs, in my so opinion. Awesome, yeah, I mean, yeah, the Smiths had great songs. But do you agree with me about the Stone Roses? They had a great sound, yeah. but not really the songs. Well, they, they, they fucked up, and they had a drama-rama with their whole, and then the second album was okay. I like, like drama-rama. Is okay. And they I had think a, even though even though the first album's good, I still don't think it has just like song by song. It's like don't, I, I, they I, don't have, like, they yeah, they don't have, have a great songwriter. And, right. and and when I listen to a song like this, I think, well, this is like the Stone Roses with a great songwriter. Yes, yeah. and, and it has that. This is very Manchester. It's very druggy kind of nice acid rock, and. Yeah. I'm curious, Charles, to talk about the title because I don't really get the title of the song. It doesn't really make sense to lyrics. I'm sure there's some reason behind it in the story. Yeah, yeah I, I'd be curious to hear about that. But it, cause it just sounds kind of like a wistful love song, but put to a swaggering, sexy rock and roll rhythm. And and I, I just love it. I just There's a quality to this song. This is a straight up, again, maybe not quite as much as Shaker Maker, but this brings a little of that bullets groove to it there's something kind of tribal and sexy and i would say restless about this song it's a really great track i could see why it would be a good you know why they chose it to open you know certain concerts and shows it's yeah it's one of my favorite songs by oasis definitely a top 10 oasis song across the board and my second favorite track on the album easily amazing song I agree. I'll go next. Mark. You go next. I, I want to hear what... I know you like it, so I'll be right back. I yeah, think Charles. Columbia is mainly a reference to cocaine. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it has that kind of cokey vibe. It's almost like a foreshadowing to be here now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they like the cocaine. By far. They were into the cocaine. I mean... What I try to teach my kid there is they're English lads, but they were projects kids. They were like hip hop fucking kids, 
Yeah. I'm bringing that up again when we talk about Supersonic. Right, yeah, but, but from England. So it's yeah. a little different. Like, Liam, his story is he learned to sing because a kid walked up to him and hit him with a fucking chain with a lock on it or something and bust his head open. And he was like, you know what, after that, I knew how to fucking sing. So thank you, that fucker, right there. They were fucking hoodlums. These guys were poor, living on the dole, which I know Eddie knows what I'm talking about. The dole, they were fucking projects kids. These were gangsters. In England. In Colombia, had a reference to cocaine, definitely. And remember, kids, all you need, this whole song, because I've learned a lot of Oasis songs on guitars, which, by the way, Noel is an economical songwriter, by far. And all you need is an A chord, a D chord, and a C chord. And you can rock out all night long. One of the best three chord songs I've ever heard Definitely inspired, as Eddie pointed out, the Madchester rave-type songs that preceded the lads. Probably a little splash of Stone Roses for good measure, which I love the fucking Stone Roses. Oh, man. I need to listen to that band. We had like two albums, but man, the Stone Roses were great. This is a song that just puts you in a trance. A trance. I absolutely love that little guitar figure in old plays throughout the song that so much that I learned it myself on guitar. Relentless and pounding. Hell. This is a rock song that you can dance and groove to. An area that Noel will not shy away from on his future releases. Check out AKA What a Life or The Mexican on his on his solo albums. I mean the song could fit into any rave, break out your chem lights and pacifiers. Probably my second favorite track on the album. I never ever tire of Columbia. And I recommend turning up the volume up to where your ears ring because it's album you know eddie right they, they said what's the story was the, the motherfucker album that made brick walling the thing i hear it on this album throughout i mean this is a brick walled album yeah oh, i do think to a degree that's part of oasis sound i think they went too far with the remasters they were like stupidly loud called those megadeth remasters where, where it was like the peak of the loudness war to me the 90s albums are loud, but that's like their sound. Columbia's like... They're supposed to be kind of washed out. They, like, they should sound like they're on the brink, like they put their amps to 11. But, I, yeah, but I do recommend you turn it up to E-Crank this motherfucker right here. This band was on fire at this point in this record. Go ahead, Mark or Gabby. I'm just going to end. I took a piss and you were still talking about Columbia. God dang. <laughs> it's like me with Rush or the Beatles. We'll just keep talking. Fools, <laughs> dude. Or fucking that Guns N' Roses oh. episode, dude. We That was a great episode. But man, 
Uh, it's a joke, so don't take me serious. Some cool whale sounds from Star Trek Four to start this fucking song. <laughs> fucking cool. Uh, and then uh, Noel starts tearing it up. Cool song with a lot going on musically. Man, I had to listen to it. There's so many layers on this fucking song. It's like they have so much shit going on. It's like you got to listen to it with headphones and like surrounded by speakers because they're doing some fucking Beatles shit like recording techniques on this. I, I fucking hear it. But uh, if I could just smoke a joint, get lit and play this album loud. This fucking song rules. Make some X. Nice. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Gabby. Um, so... I semi-agree with what you guys were saying, but I also kind of disagree uh, because, like like you said, Mark, you said, oh, well, you would, like, there's so much going on with it. That kind of takes away from the song for me. Um, it also, like, I knew upon looking at the title, I was like, so this is about cocaine, and if this is what it's like to be on cocaine, I never want to do it because it was kind of overwhelming Good a little thought. bit. I wrote, I can't say it. <laughs> songs have very long middle openings but this band seems to really enjoy that and the song would be good to me if the mixing was a little different i wish that their voices were more forward in the song because they kind of sound behind the instrumental if that makes sense and i feel like if they had like evened it out a little bit i would have liked it more because it kind of felt like a partially instrumental track that they put in a movie behind the people talking so you can recognize the song just enough, but not so much where it's drowning out the dialogue of the characters. Like train spotting. Yeah, I was like, I thought it was cool and could have definitely done without all the damn yeah, yeah, yeahs. Like, that part. I oh, was, well, that's the best part. part. <laughs> best part of the song. No, no. That, but, <laughs> and, and Eddie can back me off. Forward with it, which is saying something because I fucking hate Liam Gallagher's voice. Charles, Eddie, Charles you don't need nobody to back you up, dude. You don't need nobody to back you that, that was one of her more uh, lenient reviews. <laughs> That's lame. But Charles, Charles, you don't need somebody to agree with you, do you? Although I tell you, Gabby, you probably like it because they don't have the vocals front and center. Yeah. You know, you know, you know <laughs> hearing her go off on this on this album. The original was an instrumental. The original was an instrumental. Yeah. And it was done because they went to the clubs. It was all about the put the fucking cam lights in your mouth and they were doing X and they were partying and whatever. But I know Eddie knows in the song Be Here Now, Liam repeated the Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely repeated in another song. Yeah, that's, like, that's a fucking song to me. I mean, it fucking rules. What do you think? I think we, we all weighed in on this one, didn't we? Yeah, we did, Charles. God uh, damn it. What I was going to go to the next song, but before I go to the next song, after, Ga after hearing Gabby talk about this album, Layers, I want her to review fucking Rush. Fucking uh, moving pictures with us. <laughs> I well, wanted her to hear Witch Hunt and fucking the camera funny. eye. They only made one good album, the first album. Oh, God. No, go. I want her on moving pictures. I want to hear what she thinks of that. I told Nader uh, I saw Rush 
And a three-man band, they outperformed a nine-man band, which was Slipknot. So that is something. Well, I wanted so, to hear the layers that Rush puts on her songs and the lyrical content. I think she will dig them. Even from Noel, Noel Blue Way, Noel Gallagher and High Flying Birds, Blue Way Rush. No. But okay, the next song, Bring It On Down. Supersonic, and this is the song oh, I picked. Sonic. Yeah. On the other review I did of this album with Ralph and Lee, I think I, I liked uh, Slide Away or Live Forever better. But uh, my my mind has changed. Oh, you I, picked Supersonic? So I picked Supersonic. Here you go, Supersonic on the Freeform Rock Podcast. Yeah. 
All right, man. I'm a supersonic. I picked it. Like I was saying on the old review we did four years ago, I think I liked another song better than this. But after listening to this again, man, this is my all-time favorite Oasis song. Love the Allison Chain Sabbathy grind. They had to this up those little leads going on here and there in the background. Oh, man. Plus, I need to be myself. Can't be no one else. Like in those lyrics that Noel was writing. And then he kind of changes it to like you need to be yourself he says he needs to be and then he changes you need to be yourself can't be no one else i take that message to heart i don't give a flying fuck what you guys think i fucking like this song the lyrics hit me emotionally what do you think about it uh gabby I didn't have a whole lot to say about it. I was like, here he goes with that drawn out wine again. That it's just his singing style. That's just what he does. Even in his solo stuff that my dad has sent me. I'm like, yeah, it'd be great if he just like stopped. But I was like, we're halfway through the album and I feel like I'm in a prison. Uh, I wasn't constantly checking to see if it was a different song. I wouldn't know because they drone on and on. It all sounds the same to me. Uh, there, I just, I don't know, I just, the, it was like, I could hear him singing, but, like, my brain was just not, like, it was bouncing off my head, and I was like, I can't absorb what he's saying, which is what made me feel like I was in a prison, because that's how I felt when I was in school, once they started talking about stuff I didn't care about, it just felt like it was hitting me right here, and I was like, I, I, I see your sakes, I just can't comprehend it, and I just, I don't know, I just, it wasn't jiving with me at all, but I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, well, Eddie is back, so you need to go, it Charles. Paused. I want to hear what Eddie, I'll go next, but. <laughs> it's Eddie, Eddie's like, here he comes. Okay, he's coming back. Okay. He's coming back. I'll do Super next. You want me to go? Supersonic? What's the debut single? Yes. From Oasis. The, uh, I don't know what Gabby said, but I, I assume she found Liam's voice really annoying on this one. <laughs> because I did. Because I did, and I'm an Oasis fan. Uh, okay. But yeah, when I first heard this, like I said, when I first saw the video, I was like, oh, this guy's fucking annoying. <laughs> but now I do love the song. It's one of my favorite songs on the album. It probably... Maybe it's like fourth or fifth favorite song on the album. Breaks the top five. I love it. It's got a swagger to it. Now I love you know love Liam's voice. It's grown on me. So now that doesn't bother me. He's like full Liam on this one, which is kind of why since it's the first single and it's really catchy. Of course, no wrote it. Uh, I want to bring up that another thing. We've been talking a lot about Guns and Roses, but you were also talking about the street stuff, uh, Charles. Yeah. And I want to bring up Wu-Tang Clan, because I feel like there's a parallel between Wu-Tang and Oasis. Wu-Tang, whose first album entered the Wu-Tangs from 93, just a year prior. And like Oasis, they kind of were the ones that were, like, going against the grain. Like, you know, they were going against the grain of the slick L.A. G-Funk shit. And Wu-Tang was, like, bringing it back a bit to the more late 80s kind of style hip-hop. And, like, the war beats, and it was raw production. And... and they, I think, especially with, uh, like, middle-aged black dudes, they think of Wu-Tang, right? that middle-aged white dudes might think of, like, Guns N' Roses and Oasis, like, you know, that's their, like, they're the authentic, cool, down-and-dirty group that was, like, being legit. And Oasis, they're, like, doing something that's kind of 
different from rock. It's actually a little more like a hip hop thing. They're name checking, like because they're like referencing, like in this song, like they're actually coming right out and it's like singing, like the, there's a line about the yellow submarine. You know, we're gonna go away in the yellow submarine. Like they're name checking the Beatles in a really overt way that I don't feel rock bands would have done prior to the '90s. So in a way, I feel like this song is kind of like a post hip hop rock song. You know, and it has that swagger and attitude like a lot of hip hop. There's that kind of like like we're embracing being glamorous and being rock stars even before we're rock stars. It's like in Notorious B.I.G. on his first album was singing about how he's like a fucking rap star before he even became a rap star. But you know, it that helped him become a rap star. Like that's the thing is you like even when you're living in the projects, you act like you're the biggest thing in the world. You act like, hey, I'm already a star, and that makes you a star. So in that sense, I don't think it's just rock and roll. I think it's hip-hop swagger, and I do think they're bringing a lot of it, especially in this song. I hear Supersonic, to me, sounds like a post-hip-hop classic rock song. Like, they're taking old Beatles songs and the Stones and things like that and recontextualizing it for the mid-90s. And I'm not saying that this is like a calculated thing that they're thinking about. It's just that they're part of that generation. They're part of that generation where Noel's thinking, yeah, fuck it. I'll name check a Beatles song. I'll say Yellow Summary. Why not? You know, whereas I don't think a rock band would have done that prior to Oasis. So, um, so yeah. So anyway, interesting stuff to think about. Uh, but great track. And yeah, definitely a top five song for me on this album. Catchy fucking. Charles, man, the star. You get to go last, man. God, I'm glad I got to go last. That's Betty kept it real. It does have kind of a vibe thing. Because these were like street kids, man. For real. And they were living the projects in England, which is not quite the same as let me say the projects in like South Central or Staten Island, but it's still the fucking projects. These were projects, kids. They were poor. Like when I go back to live forever, Noel was like, "Just not gonna have that." You think? You know, hate myself, want to die. We don't have a pot distance, and we're we're just enjoying life. That's it. And it's a different vibe like Lunge was at the time. And uh, Supersonic. I mean, it's a dangerous single from Oasis. And probably every, everyone else on the planet besides me, because I was stuck in the army in 1994. But not me. But I've definitely heard it enough now. At this stage of my life, I can make up for it. Noah's claimed to have written this song in eight minutes. While the rest of the band ate Chinese takeout in the studio. Bonin, uh, he had claimed, we're not giving a lot of love to the band members in this, in this review. There was Bonehead, Paul Arthurs. Tony McGuig, uh what's it? Paul McGuigan, right? Eddie, right? Sounds right. The bass player, Gwigzy. 
and Tony um, McCarroll. They, you know, they all ate chi fucking Chinese takeout while Noel wrote this song in 30 minutes. And I mean, Bonehead and Gwigsy, as well as Tony McCarroll, have claimed to come up with some things in this composition, but I just have to say, all hail the chief. It's his song, and it shall be. You can hear some Stone Roses, you hear a little and the Who, but also the Pistols on this song, and yep. uh, with Pretty Vacant. Um, Noel's never hidden the fact that he borrowed his predecessors and wants to find the original. Like a better version of, of Spaghetti Incident. Right, Eddie? Yeah. Exactly. He's never hidden that. Um, Noel's antithesis, antithesis of gatekeeping. I mean, aside from Up in the Sky... This record's momentum matches this song perfectly. perfectly. Just riding a high rate of speed, and the whole band, I think, was great on this track. Supersonic, man. I know. Give me gin and tonic. Yep. And then we get to go. the next song, Bring It On Down, uh, Eddie. Great album track. One of the few songs that doesn't sound like a single on this album. Like I said, most of the songs sound like singles. This just sounds like a good rockin', hard rockin' album track. But I would say this is probably the most hard rockin' track on the album. And I could see this like maybe in the early club days being like a good opening, you know? Um, if they didn't have rock and roll star, this could have been an opening track. It, it's good. Um, Oh, yeah, it's a good hard rocking tune. It's uh, it it sounds like another song that like Noel could have done really quickly, and then the band this kind of brings the band to the center. And it just got swag swagger, and I obviously not one of the more memorable songs on the album, but it's hard rocking, and it comes in. It's just like a it's a very well sequenced album. Like after Supersonic, a more mid tempo, kind of catchy melodic rock song. You want like a straight up heavy song like this, so I think it's uh comes in just when it needs to. But good track, good album track. Good nader. Uh, this song, and if they had a more dynamic lead singer, I'd probably like really like it. But I just can't get with this dude. Not <laughs> do I not find him to be a dynamic lead singer, but like the rock and roll attitude that you guys really like. I so like with his singing coupled with his piss poor personality I'm just like it's amazing to me y'all ever became famous at all but uh I liked it I would probably really like a cover of it from anybody else that's all I have to say oh god it's <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I understand what you think because I can't stand King or Tom Marrero from Slayer can't stand their voices, but I love the musicianship behind their voices. Tom Araya wasn't Slayer. I said Tom Araya, Tom. Oh, the lead singer. A Slayer, yeah. So I'll, I'll get to this uh, track, which is "Bring It On Down." Love the drums, man. Kind of sounds reminds me of the Go Go's. We got the beat a little bit there. Fucking cool hoppy song. Uh, song goes hard and punky. 
I fucking love it. Um, Eddie. Eddie. I already talked to Charles, man. I always have to fuck uh, up. Well, I, I love how you love the drums because it took him like 45,000 takes to make that song. But we just got it right, though. Thing. Yeah, just watch the, the uh, documentary. It was his moment to shine, which he is the least valuable player in the history of Oasis, Tony McCurl. Uh, we hit the other track that I'm kind of meh about. Um, I do like it more than Helping the Sky. Uh, I dig this song, but to be honest, I have skipped it before. I have to be in the mind to hear it, I guess. One of those type of songs. But when I'm in the mood for it, I do enjoy the opening drums provided by Tony McCarroll, who took a secure uh, settlement like maybe Pete, Pete from Def Leppard. Another dipshit. Um, and I think it took him a long time to nail that and was allegedly a reason Noel knew he wasn't going to work the band in the long run. Because you've heard Santa Supernova. I think you have heard Santa Supernova. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the greatest Oasis song ever made. Um, you go ahead and play that. Sucks for him. As this number was supposed to be a highlight of the drums. The guitar work is the best thing on this number. I get it's I get it's supposed to be their statement song with the underclass and all that, if you understand English. But this type of statement isn't really their thing. And in the end it comes across as one of the weak tracks. I'm gonna say it's like Anything goes on Appetite Destruction. If you know that album. Uh, I mean it's okay, but it, it's kinda weak. And it's a filler track. That's all it is. All right, man. Your explanation of a filler track of Oasis, man, is like, if I can read the Bible here. Uh, but uh, we get to the next song, uh, Cigarettes and Alcohol. And Eddie, you picked this track. So here it is on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
All right, cigarettes and alcohol, Eddie. The objectively, I could kind of hear there's a few better songs on this album, but I'm a fucking subjective cat. This is personally my favorite song on the album. It's even more rock and roll than rock and roll star. The aesthetic, the vibe, a lot of stones in this one, in my opinion, more stones than the Beatles. Uh, also a little T-Rex, because it, it sounds a little, little like Gong meets Rolling Stones ripping off Gong with It's Only Rock and Roll and We Like It. It has a little bit, it has a very similar riff and a similar groove. Well, I love, again, context, 1994, just singing about cigarettes and alcohol was against the grain. Like, that was not what was cool to be singing at that point. And embracing it and taking it, but bringing in, I, I would say, a little more world-weary weary substance than the hair metal people did that were singing about partying and stuff. Again, a little closer to Guns N' Roses, where there was bad boy behavior, but with a little meat behind. You know, like, like partying, but there's bad times, like a lot of hip-hop artists. And this has that, too. It's like, yeah, we know the world's fucked up, but we're just working-class lads. But we're going to fucking go out there and smoke some cigarettes, even though we know it kills us, but everything kills us eventually anyway. We're going to drink, and we're going to party. And it's, it's almost defiantly lazy quality to it that I like. It's just like a lazy, loose, fun, 70s-style rock and roll song. And defiantly so. And I think as we get more, like, if anything... It's even more against the grain now, you know? And, yeah, it's like, fuck your AI. Fucking cigarettes and alcohol. Let's party. I love the song. It's rock and roll. And that's why it's my favorite song on the album. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go next. Uh, man, this song has some snarl and some, like, cheap trick bass grinding with the guitar going, do 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 It has that, like, cheap trick. Which, fucking... apparently, Noel played all the bass on this album. Yeah, it's like a bass cheap trick lead going like Tom Peterson with Rick Nielsen grind that I heard in there. I fucking love it. I love the way Leah says sunshine. <laughs> Great punk rock classic rock feel here on this song. It fucking rolls. Great pick. And then we get to you, uh, Gabby. Well, what Eddie said actually kind of changed my perspective on the song because initially I was just like, Okay, here we go again with the whole new rock star bullshit. But I didn't put, I didn't think about the fact that in 1994, that was like controversial to talk, like a song about cigarettes and alcohol. Because to me, to the shit we have now, I'm like, we get it. We get it. You think that you're rock stars. Because initially I wrote, I was like, they, the vocals make me want to eat a gun, like I said earlier. Like, and they just are, they're tryhards, man. Like, I was like, like, we get it. We get it. You guys are rock stars. You're so cool. But now, thinking about it, I'm like, oh, in the 90s, that was probably, like, against the beaten. Like, it wasn't really what people were writing songs about. But I liked the guitar. That was a um, positive note I had for it. But I, I see now, okay, I'll retract that statement a little bit, because for the time, they were doing something cutting edge. It's just, to, to my today ears, I'm just like, 
okay, like we get, like, you know, it just felt a little cliche, I would say, but I did like the guitar, but Eddie changed my perspective on it. All right. All right. Well, thanks, thanks, Jesus, because you won't listen to me. Yeah, fuck. Well, fuck. Jesus, is you this is why you're wrong. Yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> he doesn't do that. <laughs> oh, cigarettes and alcohol. <laughs> I like probably most folks. When I heard this, I thought, oh, wow. King Gong from T-Rex, which I actually really heard Power Station first, Mark Alden Taylor. Me too. <laughs> and then they started showing the T-Rex video like after that song. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Until I went back and re-listened to Bang Gong. And yeah, it's really close. It is very close. Shager Maker is the most rip-off be honest. It is. Not on that song. But this riff is not the same riff. It's not. It's not. Just go listen to it. It's close, but not the same. And hey, for us, for us kiss twice, I am one. You know, we can overlook Deuce's rip off of the song Bitch by the Rolling Stones. Because Deuce is a bitch in Listen to that riff. And, you know, and I love Nazareth, but they rip off Day Trip with her. Check that out. Um, but you know, I do get a little of Firehouse at the end of it. <laughs> that darn. Nair, nair, nair. Listen to it if you don't believe me. Bye bye, baby. Bye bye. But the um, coolest part of this song is it achieves what brings it on down and up in the sky. Tried to do lyrically, but in a much simpler way. Um. It was what the Gallagher were about back then. And the preachiness of bringing it on down and up in the sky doesn't work for Noel. It just doesn't. But cigarettes and alcohol, is it worth, worth the aggravation? Finding a job when there's nothing worth working for? It works way better than bringing it on down and up in the sky for me. Um, it was a single. Perhaps the weakest definitely maybe, but I do love it. I do love the song. It pulls. I, I don't hate it, but it is it, a tremendous song. It does rip off Anger Gong a little bit, but it's a different rip. Tards, look into it. Even though they ripped off Kiss a little bit at the end with the Firefox riff. At if you don't believe me, it out. But this is another classic voice of song. And I love it. Alright, so then we get to Dixie's Diner, which Gabby picks. So it's not Diner! You motherfucker! <laughs> dinner pisses me off! It's not Diner! What the fuck is up with you Americans? Fair and point, Bart. 
It's not diner. What is it? Dinner. I said di I said diner. Just to piss you off. I know it's dinner because it's spelled with two N's. <laughs> no, bitch slap your ass. It's dinner. You I know it. it's spelled with two N's. Diners with one. I just fucked with you there. Good one. But <laughs> here we go. Uh, can you pick this on the Freeform Rock Podcast? Gabby, you picked uh, Dixie's uh, dinner. Dinner. I, I know, I know, I know how to spell, Charles. Good. Uh, well, I, I just, I was, I liked it because I was like, finally, something that sounds different. That sounds different from everything else I've been forced to listen to. Everything else that was on this um, album, I was like, it only took eight songs, but we finally got somewhere. Um, <laughs> Cuts out the rock star bullshit that they try really hard to convince my dad's going to lose his mind on me. But in my eyes, they are tryhards. And I thought this song was nice. And he was like, well, they actually wrote it making fun of this guy. And he doesn't even like lasagna. And I was like, okay, but I, I still feel like if they had more stuff like this, I might like them. But it's just, I don't know. They just kind of ruin it for me. Like, they do, by the way. Yeah. 
I play. You might like. Have you listened? I just don't think we're ever gonna. Has Gabby listened to the other albums? No. They actually have more stuff like this on the other albums. They're more diverse. You might actually like their later albums better. Because I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> you love they do have more songs like that, even starting with the next album. They're a little more in that direction. Yeah. I agree. All yeah. right. So who wants to take Dick, Dixie's uh, dinner I'll... or diner? Oh. <laughs> go ahead, yeah. Charles. Oh, keep you it under fucking... five minutes. Oh, you fucking yanks. <laughs> It's not Dixie's Diner, you fucking idiots, man. Why must you always, or rather, typically call this song Dixie's Diner? It's not. It's written in the goddamn title. Read. Read. No. It's in our language. It's in our language. It's I did that because I knew you would get pissed off. It clearly says Dixie's Dinner. Not diner. Noel will come up and wash your yap out with soap. I'm telling you, if you say Dixie's diner. Anyway, an obvious joke song about a follow, about a fellow like Nader pointed up, uh, about an upcoming rocker who's a rather eccentric dude, kind of like Lee Gersman, a little bit like Lee Gersman. Um. And he was named Dixie. The original two was, was punk inspired and had a more rocking riff that just kept repeating. He had lasagna. It was like this guitar, like da 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 da. He had lasagna. I don't know what the fucking lasagna. Uh, but then for some reason, Noel decided to make a proper song out of this idea. This to me. Personally, for me, is probably the most Beatles number to my ears on this album. It could be perhaps one of the most compressed and loud numbers. This album is compressed, motherfucker, Eddie. I know they said what's the story. This album, that's why I pick what's the story over this album is so compressed, so loud. The whole album is just like a face. Which I like, but I mean, it's so loud. And uh, it featured Noel on piano, not Bonehead. Bonehead played a lot of electric piano, but it's Noel on piano. And interestingly, when I sold, when I seen Noel live, he actually played this song, and it got a huge reaction. Huh? So there are some fans of the song. I can laugh at it. I don't know that I take it that seriously. I think it's a little good comedy break in this epic album to lighten the mood a bit. But I do think she's electric on Morning Glory with a better style song than me. But I never skip it. And go get you some lasagna. All right, man. I'm going to go next. Uh, a cool, bouncy, happy tune you could dance to. That's in honor of the great Lee. He likes to say you could dance to. Cool, not a bad song. This album so far, I'm enjoying this one a lot. Eddie, you go last on this one. I like it. It's a it's another album track. It's one of the few songs that doesn't really sound like a single. 
to me. But like you guys have touched upon and Gabby touched upon, this it sounds a little different from the rest of the album. It's a different shade, and it comes kind of when you you want that. Even if you do like the other stuff, unlike Gabby, it's <laughs> it, it's still you still welcome a change. It's like okay, now you get a different shade, a different groove. And this is a kind of song you will hear Noel Gallagher write more songs in his vein in the future. Plus his solo career. I actually think Gabby might like Noel Gallagher solo more than Oasis. And it's... Yeah, I'm I mean... i to get a lot of videos now from your dad, yeah. Gabby, because he said that. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> it was not your But I actually think, yeah, because there's less of the rock star posturing. It, you'll fe The Noel stuff's definitely less try-hard. And it's a little more diverse and a little poppier. And Noel's voice is a little more restrained and earnest. So I think you actually might prefer that. But, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice little kind of Beatlesque kind of poppy ditty. And I like it. It comes where it needs to. And by all of Charles, I think Noel wrote songs like this even, but he improved upon it on later albums in his own solo work but this is kind of the first little indication even though noel didn't sing it it sounds like a song he would have picked one of his songs to sing if it was on a subsequent album you know and just it just this really sounds like a noel song to me more so than the other songs which sound like the like oasis songs and i think charles will get what i'm saying but yeah but it's a cool song i dig it all right, now we get to the next track, Slide Away, which Charles picked. Make sure you slide away on your Freeform Rock podcast. Sorry for interrupting the podcast. I just want to take a second to thank all of you for listening. Please take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Podbean. And join the Freeform Rock podcast community on Facebook. Now, back to the show.
All right, Charles, let's slide away, man. For me. You picked it. Me alone. Yeah, I did. The best song on the album. God damn it. <laughs> well, I should have went first. I knew I should have interrupted and went first, because now he's going to think that I was copying him, and I'm not. <laughs> One of the your best love songs Noel has ever crafted. And boy, has he crafted me. Go check out this. This dude knows how to write a love song that most men, most women will take. And most men don't have to be ashamed of loving the either. They can sing along to it as well. And there's a reason Noel does it live. He turns it down, he fills it quite a bit. And that's because he can just not draw the strands, match the intensity and power of Liam and I mean, at all, dude. I mean, but rather, he can talk about Liam all he wants, but Liam brings it on this fucking track. I mean, you can say how oh, he's annoying or whatever, but to me, this is his second best performance, Liam, or his best athlete forever. The whole band is on fire on this track. Again, Noel's lead guitar is absolutely amazing. This happened to be Paul McCartney's favorite racist song. And while not my favorite from the I wouldn't argue with anyone. Over it is not being their best. Same with this record, the way it's haunting, enchanting, mystifying. Right away, indeed. Absolutely. All right, so I'll go next. This song is fucking great. Liam's straining, but it works with the main. He's actually the only guy I like who could get away with the fuck of having those whiny vocals because you have the fucking blink 182 shit that fucking tried to sound like oasis fucking bad fucking band <laughs> bad band i fucking can't believe they're selling mediums fuck blink 182 but i i love this song man uh gabby what do you think of it uh all i wrote was it's the best song on the album it's just too long it could have been trimmed down a bit and i like i need to say this first because i know he's gonna he's gonna say what I said, even though we didn't talk about this at all, but I was like, I, I had a feeling, I was like, no, just let him go, and then he was like, this song, I was like, fuck, and now he's gonna call me after this and be like, let's see, it gets done, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> go to your head, please, but yeah, I liked it. All it's right. beautiful. Uh, it felt like beautiful. Uh, Paul's, uh, you know, like Paul McCartney, now what you said. it kind of feels like that. Not gonna hate on what he said. Noel Gallagher, through all of his whatever he's got, he can write beautiful love songs. Went on to Eddie. Uh, yeah, it's an amazing song. One of the best songs on the album. Like, like I said, with uh, cigarettes and alcohol, that was just my personal favorite. But I said there was a few songs I could hear better. Like Columbia is one of them. 
This is another one. Like I, I, if you think this is the best Oasis song you ever heard, you're definitely wrong. It's great. It's one of the greatest songs. It's my. I would say it's probably my third favorite. Yeah, it's a, it's my third favorite song on the album. But I can hear it's one of their best songs. I do. I think it's um, it's a song where Liam kind of front a little bit. You know, um, and maybe that's why like Gabby can stand it. He drops a little front. There's a little more emotion to his voice. You know, and and Charles was saying this too. Like he he just he delivers vocally. There's there's feeling in this, and I do think Liam delivered this more on Squint albums on some of his better uh, solo work. But yeah, he, there, there's real emotion to this out to this song. There's a real pathos. It's a great song. I love the, the guitar work, the feeling. Perfect way to end the album. Uh, I know there's is that next song a bonus track or does that count there's as a children <laughs> is a regular track? That, no, it's on there. That's on the. I, I thought it might be like a CD only track. I, no. I wasn't. Okay, well, no. anyway, in terms of, like, real songs on the album, <laughs> like, to me, this is the collusion. Maybe the other song's like an epilogue. But this is, like, the big finale of the album, in my opinion. And it's great. It's one of their greatest songs. And, yeah, I mean, we've all said it. So, obviously, this is a good song, because even I liked it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I'll go to the next one, uh, the ending album, Married with Children, because I, I said this four years ago with Dr. Fucking Lee. I love the way they ended this album with the acoustic track. And I wrote my notes before I went back and listened to that. I basically said the same thing. So my opinion has not changed on it. The only opinion that has changed is on Dixie's dinner. Uh, yeah, but man, this is a well-crafted song. No gobbledygook lyrics uh, saying that Liam has a good tone. Wish he songs like this. I usually don't... Uh, like slow enders on an album, but this seems to end a great album. I give this a what 10, 10 out of 11 bong riffs, man. I love this fucking album. So then we get to who wants to take it next? Here. We finally made it to the end. So. <laughs> Sounds like uh, Taylor Swift. Yeah, 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 it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you could have ended with Slide Away. You know, the way you guys were like, oh, this could have been done seven songs ago. Yeah, that's how I feel about this. Um, I was like, this song's relatable, but I wouldn't necessarily say that's a good thing. It's not a very shining uh, ovation, I would say. I, I I was just happy it was over. I was like, <laughs> we're done. No, you weren't. You love Slide Away. Yeah, I was, it, and then this came on, and I was like, ah, and then I looked, and I was like, finally, I made it to the last track, finally. <laughs> they could have ended it with Slide Away, and I would have been like, you know, maybe this album is like a 2.75 out of 5 stars, but it just kept going, so, you know, but yeah, it's over, yay, done. <laughs> finally done. Well, at least you only had to listen to 11. I had to listen to 17 on Taylor Swift. Yeah, but I was just like, hmm. you know, I had to hear a lot of... That was brutal. And I've noticed it's not in the... That was... Oh, you don't have a lot of Rule 10 in the CDH. Yeah, CDH. The albums were all over long. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Eddie. Um, I'm... I guess it's my least favorite song on them. It's all right. It's. I always thought it was a bonus track. <laughs> it kind of has a bonus track vibe to it. 
Um, so it always felt like Slide Away was like the ending, and this was, but you know, I guess it's an epilogue if you want to call it an epilogue. It's a little ditty. Sounds like a B side to me, like a, um, but it's it's a nice song, but it sounds kind of like a B side to me. It, it, I think it can work as a little epilogue or code at the end, which is fine. I also like it. I don't, just like anything on this album. But if I had to pick a least favorite song, it's this. But I wouldn't say it's anticlimactic because I think, like I said, I've always thought of it as an epilogue or coda. It is what it is. But I don't know. May, maybe they could have tripped. Maybe this has been tripped by two songs and had a little more of an impact. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to kick out of bed. It's all right. It's a nice Noel Gallagher B-side that's masquerading as the last font song on this album. <laughs> My Star Charles, man, you get to take us out well, of this album. Being the song is rather understated. I mean, it sounds like Bonehead and Noel, along with Liam sitting on bed and recorded this song, which is more demoish sounding than a problem to me. I find it peculiar to end this understated song on this epic album. It was just like in your face. I think this was a football album over what's the story. What do you think, Eddie? I, like, I, I personally think there's a B-side that maybe ended up on the master plan. Maybe so. I mean, maybe end with sad song. Or something. I, I would end on Slide Away. I think it's a really powerful ending. Yeah. I would have led, yeah, would have ended with Slide Away. And I think it's a nice, like, um, bookend to Rock and Roll Star. Slide. Yeah, it's like weird. But, yeah. uh, like I said, I, I literally, until right now, I always thought it was just a CD bonus track. <laughs> I no. didn't know an actual uh, track. And I mean, how many other. Uh, of their other albums, the end of this I'm going to say, Dig No, but you see, maybe that is like you. I do like What's the Story Morning Glory because they don't do that on What's the Story Morning Glory. They right. Champagne Supernova. Which is phenomenal. Yeah, they, they end on the big anthem. They know right. when they get out they of Dodge. You know? They didn't do that with the exception of the last album. It was yeah. weird. Yeah. That's, I think they perfected the formula, but it's the first album, you know? Yeah. yeah. Per perhaps this was seen as an understood encore type song to close it out. I do find it rather clever and realistic song about fractured marriages and how you can feel about other and matters. Like these at this time. The line, your music shite. <laughs> it keeps me up all night. And how you, I mean, Noel said that. It was about the chick that he wrote about, the slide away. His song. She actually said that to him. You mean night. He was like, bet, I'm going to keep that lyric. So, I mean, Noel was always on shit. You think Charles is bad? Imagine Gabby. Imagine if you were like married to Noel Gallagher or Liam Gallagher. They're probably always ragging on your music taste. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I'm gonna I'm gonna call that. Thank you. I'm gonna make a song out of this. Um, 
it's actually the song does make me laugh. He, he you know, more disease dinner, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, humor in the music can be a good thing. By the way, Eddie, same chord sequence as Sheep Electric, which I think is a song. I mean, what's by far. Noel is one of the most economical songwriters ever. He, he typically re, reuses his chord sequences over and over again. And uh, I know because I've learned these on guitar. Nate Horrific. Uh, mm -hmm. He's on top the best songwriter of the generation. Kurt Cobain and right here. Noel Gallagher for life. All right, man. That was our review of uh, definitely maybe a redo of Redux of review. Now we get to our tracks of the week. Charles, you guys have mentioned this uh, group several times during this review. I, I don't really know them, so I can't say anything. Stone R Roses Made of Stone. You must check out the Stone Roses. All right, man. And then... Uh, Gabby, you picked Dear Maria, Count Me In by All Time Low. Yeah, I did. All right. Because my dad was pulling puppet strings behind uh, the scenes. I just wanted you guys to know. He very much will, like, call me and try and intimidate me and try and dictate what songs I pick for my song of the week. He's like, don't pick this. And, like, your friend picked Dua Lipa the last time we were on. And you, like, made me pick. It's a rock show. And I'm like, okay, well, Dua Lipa, that song was disco. And that's not rock. So I'm going to pick whatever well, I want so. This one specifically just to irritate him because he kept rushing on it. So. <laughs> Arcade Dua Lipa section. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, I'm good. Uh, Jerry picked. me about what your pick of the week is, by the way. Well, that's I want to go last on mine. Jerry picked Drowning by Sponge. Uh, Eddie, you picked Dockin', just like a rose from the new Dockin' now I'm here, but nobody yep. can see it. I'm just putting up the album cover. <laughs> Why'd you pick is that, it that good, Is it that good, it's Eddie? Good album, man. I think it's really good. I think it's their best album since uh, 1999's Race to Slate. Easily. Easily the best album since I like Lightning Strikes. <laughs> I like that album, but I think this is better. I think it's more consistent overall. I think Don sounds as good as he can sound now without too much work on his vocals, but it's, he's a real person. Watch my video. I did a Halloween-related video where Freddy Krueger uh, reviewed the album. Uh, so I, I had... I, did you watch that one, Charles? Yeah, but do you like Halloween, Eddie? Do I like what? The band Halloween. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not a big power metal guy. So, Thank I mean, you. I can hear they're all right, but I'm, I'm just not really into that. Uh, it's a little too Dungeon and Dragons kind of nerd metal for me. But I'm yeah. sure I can hear that they're a good band. It's just not my kind of music. Oh, right, <laughs> man. So I agree. Then I, but the doctor, but I, I need that. We write off. Yeah. Dawkins yeah. hasn't 
they've been very gloomy for like the past 20 something years yeah. this is the first album there's some gloomier songs which you want on a Dawkins album but they kind of bring in that other shade you do get a little bit of the old underlock and key back on the album, which is something you haven't heard in a long time from Don and song in particular it's very similar to like in my dreams and Does it sound like dream warriors uh, not so much dream wars I, I, it's kind of like under lock and key meets one or grungy or not so it's like collided if you can kind of imagine that it, it's right. a bit darker and heavier than their 80s stuff but it brings in a little bit of the more melodic fun pop rock so it's a little bit of a nice it's, it's better than night major Better night. Uh, I want to see. Do I ever do I ever put his music down? No, I've never. I never I say like Ghost. Like, I like Seven Songs by Ghost. I can't say they suck anymore. But uh, I, like, I, I, I like Night Ranger more than Ghost. Yeah. There you go. I got uh, lie. But, uh, but then I get to my. Before, okay, your pick. Well, before I, well, my last track is the Beatles now, and then I asked you if you wanted it because I was being nice to you. To see if you want to pick yours. I actually didn't I, track yet until then. I, I didn't because you chose that. John Lennon lived forever. The greatest ever on the history of the planet. And uh, yeah, it was AI. It was vocals from the tapes. Whoops. Didn't do look like the Beatles remaking an Oasis song. Yeah, there was a question but, I was going to ask your daughter in the beginning, and you wanted me to save it till the end, till my track about the. Go ahead, I my neighbor Tater. I want to ask because she's of the younger generation. What do you think about uh, bands like Dua Lipa, Cardi B up there, or even there's some bands they're doing out like miming their own songs. Uh, I don't know. It feels a little cheap to me. It just depends. I don't. I don't know. I'm not really the artists that I know that the most are kind of artists that I wouldn't pay to see anyway. Uh, I like Dua Lipa. I like Cardi B, but I wouldn't necessarily be like at first in line to get a ticket to their shows anyway, regardless. And I don't know. It's just one of those things. It's like kind of grew. I kind of grew up with uh, like lip syncers being really big, so I'm kind of. I feel like I'm a little desensitized to it. I would prefer seeing somebody who would sing like or Beyonce or Paramore her whole show live with a bronchial infection, and she sounded great. So I don't know. It's just one of the. It's who you like, and they do that, then I guess that's something you kind of have to accept, but I'm not really a big in on it, I guess, because it's like, why, are my, why am I paying? I could listen to this in my car for free, you know? I already pay eleven ninety nine for Apple every month. Why am I paying an extra 200 to see you in person, but still doing, like, I could just listen to this in my car, you know? Yeah. Thank you. What hey, you, Eddie, what do you think about that stuff? Because we didn't ask you. Pretty much what Gabby says. Uh, I think we're all on the same page with this. I mean, yeah, I can listen to music at home or wherever that I buy 
I don't want to hear a person just miming at what's the fucking point. It's just you're paying a lot of money and you'd be with a bunch of jerks singing along. I mean, the funny thing is, I'm not like some people in this group. I like live music, but I don't like like really big shows. I don't like stadium shows. I don't really like arena shows. I think they're kind of a pain in the ass. I mean, I'm not saying I haven't been to a few good ones. I like probably the biggest shows I like are probably like the Judas Priest shows that we saw like at a theater. I like a big theater or a club where because it's still like you're actually hearing a band you're kind of part of it and it's about the music but when you get into where it's just a bunch of like casual fans all singing along to something i don't know like what's the point you know, especially when things are so expensive these days and yeah i, do, I agree I, I do think and something Gabby is touching upon, I think it's lamer acts. But anyway, for the most part, I, I think the really authentic, legit artists wouldn't do that, you know? And whether you're a rock band like Kiss, you know what I mean? Or, you know, Cardi B. Yeah, these are the bands that are, or acts that are a little cheaper to begin with, you know? I'm not saying Kiss was back in the day, but now they're just, you know, they're like a Megas act, you know? And it's just about the show. It's not about the music. You know, not anyone that thinks they're going to a Kiss show now in 2023 and it's about mute is delusional. You're going to see the fucking clown show, you know, and that's all it is. And that's kind of like, yeah, so you're getting what you're kind of asking for. Like, if you want to see a clown show, whether it's Cardi B or Kiss, you're going to see a clown show and they're going to lip sync or like Cirque du Soleil or whatever, you know. It's not about the music. If you want to see a real fucking artist, the real fucking artists are still singing. Even if their voices are shot, they're still singing, you know? And, yeah, I, you know, if I was going to see an Act 5, I'd rather hear a live act that doesn't sound quite as good as they do on the record, but at least they sound different. I'm hearing the real human version of them. So, yeah, back in tracks, it's lame. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful And why people go to rap concerts. That just sounds yeah. like genre to me that I'm like, this doesn't really translate to concert venue. I, I think that's why you don't have, like, legacy hip-hop acts like you do with, like, rock or pop acts. I'm one of your I remember you saying that. Well, yeah, I would, but, yeah, something, because essentially it's a guy, and I love hip-hop, but essentially it's like yeah. a person talking over a record, so you're like, yeah, well, I'm, so, I'm going to see that live. Poetry <laughs> over, like, a blown-out bass, and it's like, yeah. Like I like I like I like Cardi B I like I like her husband from the Migos I like a lot of these things I like but I would never pay to go to a rap concert because it's like I could go to some college campus and listen to somebody speak <laughs> their poetry for free you know and I don't but yeah. what a great segue from the Nader Tater there because when you see. For example, Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds Live. <laughs> I happened to see him do Diggsy's dinner. Yourthvik live. It was awesome. And then a fucking idiot threw a CD of his local band on the stage and said, What is it? Oh, this is local? Fuck that. That's the way it should stay. Because he's a fucking rock and roll star. And he plays it live. He doesn't use tapes. Liam doesn't either, by the way. Uh, you know, Mark loves the Foo Fighters. Um, not as good as 
aren't. Well, he did Taylor Hawkins' show in London. Who opened the show? Tim Gallagher. Thank you. With Rock and Roll Star and Live Forever. I mean, and he doesn't use tapes to this day. Eddie can back me up to this. He doesn't use tapes. If it's raw, it sounds whatever. It's rock and fun. And that's what this... Real, real bad. You, you saw the clips of like ACDC and the pop, that, that whole power trip thing? They, they, were, they weren't using fucking hey. back and tricks. You know? Yeah, people always say, oh, Brian Johnson's voice shot. They play slower. Yeah, they're... I, but they sound real. They actually sound like themselves. They sound like, like real guys. They're in. Eddie, I mean, Mick is 80. Yeah. He turns 80 in December. I mean, they did the best they could at 80. That's the way I'm saying it. I have a problem with him live. Like I said, I have a problem with him in the studio. Well, yeah. yeah. People will still go see him. Yeah, I like I said, I don't, I'm not interested in the big stadium shows for the most part. It's very last stadium show I saw was ACDC. It was a show, but I prefer the smaller venues. I just think it's like you feel like you're at a sporting event more than a music event when I it's agree. that big. I agree. I saw no what how blues. Yeah, it was phenomenal. It was awesome. But which Abby. Appreciate you enduring the greatest band of the 90s who flew away live all these other crap bands that mark them. I think Pantera is the greatest band of the 90s. That's just me. Um, Oasis. Or Alice in Chains. I, I go Pantera. for Alice in Chains, too. So. Love Pantera. The best band of the 90s. The 90s was a truly bleak place. What? Thank you. It was kind of like there was, yeah. there was in the beginning of the nineties, like to ninety five, it was good, and then after ninety five, it just went into that pop punk fucking Blink one eighty two shit kind of. Only shit. you, only you, sir, would go watch a Matchbox Twenty reunion tour. Only you. I love Rob Thomas, man. What can I say? He reminds me of Hall Notes, man. Great harmonies, great vocals, great lyrics, and when you saw him in freaking. Uh, Daryl Hall sing together on uh, Daryl's house, man. It's fucking great shit. Great fucking songwriter. Man, let's get the fuck. It's been a long episode, dude. You did good. Yeah, man. Gabby did really good too. Gabby, you fucking. He's a real sport. Like yeah, I didn't you didn't hurt my feelings that much. Good job, Nate. Well, I tried to be nice about it. I had to not go in. If you go in with a negative mindset, then all you're gonna hear is negativity. So I tried very hard to stay neutral. And to act like you haven't been berating me with their stuff for years. I tried <laughs> very hard. And you I sold a shirt, Al. Yeah, and I'm going to continue to have it, asshole. So <laughs> you're going to be fine. It was a great t-shirt. It was so soft. So All good. right, man. Let's get the ladies always get the soft shirts. Right, before we go, we need Eddie to pimp his shit, man. Uh, yeah, check out my YouTube channel. It's just my name, Eddie Canastracci, at least my music-related name, Eddie Canastracci. I watch my YouTube videos where I talk about music, different kinds of music, not rock music, although mainly rock music. And there's the podcast, Rock All Over You Podcast, which Charles has been on a few times, Mark's been on. And we're going to have to get Gabby on in a future episode, too. So, because, you know, yeah, it's good at this thing. Just yeah. get Oh. Yeah, we're definitely yeah. We'll exchange, we gotta exchange information because I want you on a later episode. 
Uh, I was thinking maybe a Stevie Nicks might be uh, good for you. Yeah, so we might, if you could roll little Stevie. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, rock all over your podcast. Same places you would find this podcast. We're, you know, we're like, we're, we're brother podcasts as far as I'm concerned. We're rock and roll brothers. We're members that are RMCP Army, even though Ralph hates Mark, but it's all right. Ian abides him, so, so he's kind he, of... Ian, Ian loves me. <laughs> He'll be on a future podcast. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we finally got Ian. He's a hard guy to book, but we finally got him. So definitely check out that episode, Ian, where we did Motown. We we hit our kind of Motown. Great episode, man. Soon, Eddie. Soon, Eddie. We're gonna do a Hagar. Oh boy. Um, I I I already did OU eight one two, so I don't want to have to listen to that album again. But if you oh, want no, me to it's, a ha- it's a Hagar song with the Ian. With Ian on yeah, it. Yeah, on on it. Oh, no, Kenny Yeah, I yeah, don't want to listen Ian, to that shit anymore. Ian on, an, uh, on a record that's Hagar riffing. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, that's great. Well, that's gold. That'll be your top episode. Yeah, yeah do that. Um, <laughs> do that. All right, man. Let's get the fuck out of here. Thank you, Charles. Like, share, and subscribe. We're on everything except Spotify because I don't touch that bitch. Thank you. Gabby for being on here, man. Uh, now I do want to get you on the uh, freaking uh, Rush Moving Pictures because because you did your dad's favorite group. Now I want you to do my favorite group, and then I'll do I'll do so I'll do anything you want me to do on this show okay. because I do give. I don't I don't bit. Chemical romance. Come I'll on do chem- my chemical romance. Whatever she wants, as long as she does a rush. Well, let's get the fuck out of here. Thank you, Eddie, for being on here. You fucking rule. your show rules and let's later guys man bye I got your picture I'm coming with you dear Maria count me in there's a story at the bottom of this bottle and I'm the pen
for the best of rock and heavy metal and some Duran Duran. <laughs> Just joking. Where am I? Tune into thatmetalstation.com every Tuesday night to hear the free form rock show. 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, only on thatmetalstation.com. You have just listened to the Freeform Rock Podcast. All music played on the Freeform Rock Podcast belongs to its owner. If you like it, go out and buy it. Get your music on Amazon, iTunes, or at your local record store. Support what you love. Support the artist by seeing them live. Purchase their music. The Freeform Rock Podcast is not affiliated with any of the artists or music that we play. Thank you for listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. Until next time, stay free and rock on.